You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? Blasphemer, defiler, I will punish you by not letting you listen to Fanhole's podcast, a pop culture podcast made for the fans, by the fans. No! The Fanhole's just a joke! Bay. Broken and finished, Blackie Prison can hold the pieces. Ah, Jean-Paul, I, I guess you really are a fan of the fan holes, the pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. And, and I guess you are the Batman. Thanks, kid. Hey folks, how you doing? Uh, this is Tony. We're uh, doing a cool little thing on the podcast this week. Batman: The Dark Knight Rises is coming out soon. So, in lieu of that, we're going to talk about Batman. No brainer. Uh, a couple of cool little topics we got this uh, week. We're going to be talking about uh, TV. We're going to be talking about Adam West's Batman. Uh, if you don't know what I'm specifically referring to, we're going to talk about the uh, campy '60s TV show pretty much kind of in a way started the Batman craze in a way because it was really popular. A lot of people liked it. Ran for two seasons. Some good stuff. Three, We're going to get into three. that. Three. Three, excuse me. Oh yeah, I forgot Batgirl. Yeah. We'll be doing uh, our favorite Batman story. Um, I'm not really sure if that's going to be just comics only or maybe the animated series or the movies as well. I'm thinking comics probably. Uh, We're going to be doing our favorite Batman villain who's not the Joker because come on, you can't take the easy way out. And then uh, finally, we're also going to be going into our favorite Batman writer or artist or both. Uh, there's been a lot of them, a lot of really great ones, a lot of uh, great contributors to the Batman mythos. So that's pretty much our lineup of Bat topics on this Bat channel. Of course, I could not operate this without my fellow fan holes slash Team Batman cohorts. As it stands, I am Tony Chainclaw, and where are the rabbits? Hey, this is Brian Breakdown, and some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Hey, what's up? This is Derek, Derek WC. Hey, it's Mike Thunderwing. Batman! Batman, you say? Hey, this is Grimlock, and I am the Batman of Zurian. <laughs> All right, cool, guys. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and jump into this, because I have a feeling this may be a long episode. We're going to try to... Not make this too long, but Batman, he's been around forever, so. Miss Kitka, 
I have the strangest feeling that I am about to be utterly and madly carried away. We're just going to go ahead and jump right into the TV. As I stated before, the Adam West series with Burt Ward was uh, three uh, seasons, as uh, Derek correct me on. I apologize for getting that wrong. It was really kind of popular, but a lot of people kind of deride it because it was very campy. It was kind of funny, had a little bit of a humor to it. Definitely wasn't grim and gritty beyond that. It was the complete opposite. Uh, it also had a lot of uh, really well-known uh, actors and actresses doing guest stars as the various villain, villains of uh, Batman's rogues gallery. And we're just going to kind of go back and forth, say what we liked about it, what we didn't like. It's probably going to be a lot of love, though, because it was, it, was, it was a good series for his time. Um, a lot of us grew up on it. I'm just going to kind of go out at random. Uh, hey, Justin, what, what's your thoughts on uh, the ever-popular, like I said, the Adam West Batman? Well, I uh, I absolutely love that show. Like it, it's probably one of my favorite '60s TV shows. But being an '80s kid, I kind of think of it as an '80s show in my mind because I remember watching a lot of reruns uh, of that series, and uh, it was ex- extremely popular among me, and all my friends, and things. And and then after the uh, Tim Burton movie came out, like we all went crazy for anything Batman, but. Uh, I remember um, my cousin, like me, me and him, would sit down and watch it. Um, for one of his birthday parties, he had um, somebody dress up as Batman and Robin, and they wore costumes similar to the series. And for some reason, I didn't get to go. And I remember he was bragging about this, you know, the next day on the bus ride to school. And I called him a liar. Yeah, I got mad and I called him a liar. A few days later, he gets on the bus and he's like acting all kind of cocky and, you know, and everything and I'm just like what what is it and he hands me this Polaroid and it's him with Batman and Robin and I I got really mad and I almost wanted to like tear it up I'm just like it's not fair (laughs) I didn't get to see Batman and Robin were there any uh specific episodes that you like really dug or like you just were totally into the whole thing or um geez that's one of those series that like I love but I haven't seen seen a lot of it like the last time i remember watching it was it ran briefly on tv land for a few years and i would watch it a lot um like as a kid some specific memories there's one episode where it it ends on a cliffhanger and batman's in a coffin and the coffin's going through um, an incinerator and i remember being a little kid and that blowing my mind i'm like how is batman gonna get out of this there's no way possible (laughs) He can get out. Like, there's nothing in his belt he can come up with. Like, he's dead. Like, you know, Robin's tied like, up. I feel like know. five seconds later on the TV show, there's like, there's no way Batman can get out of this one possible. <laughs> Batman is dead in the next episode. But that kind of blew my mind. I'm just like, how is he going to get out? Like, I can't wait till Monday. Like, it's killing me. Um, I, don't need, I don't even remember how he got out of that, you know, burning coffin or whatever. But. Yeah, I love the whole series. I love Frank Gorshin as the Riddler. Like, he's one of my favorite villains. Um, you know, Yvonne Craig as Batgirl. That was probably one of my first uh, crushes because, uh, you know, I've always loved redheads, and, you know, she's probably part of the reason for that. I was going to say the same thing, actually. Batgirl was, like, way hot. 
I mean, really, she was poured into those tights. She, I mean, seriously, yeah. she had to be cutting off circulation in those damn things. I thought you might eventually notice that. That single statement indicates to me the first oncoming thrust of manhood, old chum. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Told some, yeah, some cool uh, memories on that. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and switch it to uh, <laughs> one of the fellow old men on the uh, podcast, along with me, uh, Derek. I know you probably have a little bit more insight than Justin. No offense, but yeah, me and Derek were a little bit more cognizant of that time era when they were rerunning Batman. So what do you, what do you have to say about the uh, old Adam West uh, series? Well, I guess this is kind of area specific, but I always used to watch the reruns on uh, Coffee TV 20. So that's kind of what I, you know, it's funny, like certain shows, like whether it was like Twilight Zone or Batman or things like that, they would always kind of come on TV 20. So anytime I would see like the little dog or anything like that, you know, and it's like they'd always have like a little (laughs) dog and it'd be like TV 20, you know, or whatever. And it'd be like somebody's dog or something. You always knew like, oh, shit, Batman's coming on. Like this is going to kick ass or whatever. And then, and then, you know, but what Justin says is accurate, too, because once it was like... It aired a lot, but then there was a period of sort of downtime where it, you know, I'd say between like maybe like 87, you know, like a couple years right before the new Batman movie was about to come out. But once that movie did come out, then it was like there was a big revival of all things Batman. So they would always have all these marathons and you know, back-to-back episodes, you know, on whatever channel it was, you know, like usually be a 20th Century Fox-type channel and stuff like that. I mean, I, I, you know, my main thinking on this was I'd say that, you know, I pretty much said my piece on, uh, on, uh, you know, the 60s Batman series. Like, I've got a a History of Comics on Film uh, episode. It's like part 17, and then part 18, I think, covers the movie. So I, I cover it in detail there. But, like, you know, some things it's like I kind of was working off of memory. So I, I know, like, when I watch that show later, sometimes I go, oh, I could have talked about how the Archer was a Superman villain. Or maybe I could have talked about, you know, a, a couple other things that maybe I might not, you know. You know, it's nothing that keeps me up at night, but things that I might have left out. Like, I know a fan was kind enough to... uh email me when I did the episode on the It's a Bird, It's a Plane Superman musical. And you know, the Mad Professor in that was also uh, the guy who played the Mad Hatter on the Batman series, I guess. So, like, he was making the connection, like, between those two guys, you know, and stuff like that. So it's like, there's always, like, a lot of cool stuff that, you know, like like you were saying, lots of famous actors, you know, whether it's Vincent Price or Cesar Romero or Burgess Meredith and guys like that. So, like, there's, of course, you know, growing up with that, like, like I was saying, like, that Batman was probably, you know, one of the first versions of Batman I was exposed to. Like, I always kind of like to say that, you know, for me, it was almost like going from Adam West to Frank Miller, you know? So it's like, to me, that was always, that was always a game changer, you know, Dark Knight Returns, because that's what it felt like in certain regards where, you know, you went from, you know, Adam West to, uh, you know, you know. Yeah, this is an operating table, and I'm the surgeon. You know, and you're <laughs> kind of like, holy shit! Like, what's going on? You know, and stuff like that. So rubber bullets, but, I promise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, but um, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I like I said, I, I would just direct people to uh, to the history of comics on film part. It's part seventeen. 
to uh, get more in-depth, you know, detail on my thoughts on the series. But I, like Justin, I enjoyed it a great deal. Um, you know, I saw all the different marathons and things like that. I mean, as far as, like, favorite episodes, like, you know, things that stand out to me, like, you know, I was always a fan of the Joker, you know, so I, I you know, to me, I, I dig that third season episode where him and Batman are, you know, in the surf off against each other, you know, and they're both wearing boxer <laughs> shorts and shit like that. Like, I kind of love that shirt. a lot, you know. And then, and then, you know, I guess for all the detractors, you know, the people that are like, oh, it's not, you know, quote unquote, real Batman because it's not grim and gritty. You know, I mean, you know, I, I sort of mentioned this in the history of comics on film when I do a lot of, you know, side by side comparisons. But, you know, the first, like, I think 12 or 13 episodes are all like direct adaptations of the comic books at the time. So, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, maybe the, the only way the writers could wrap their heads around it were to make it sort of campy. But if you actually read the comic books, they're kind of, you know, fun and goofy and campy themselves. Well, Batman was a different yeah. animal back then. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I just, you know, that's, I, I think some people that say that kind of, you know, it's like they're sort of just speaking from, their their own perspective of only having been exposed to maybe a you know like a, a post crisis you know dark knight version of the character and you know don't take into account that you know there were fun stories where you know whether it's like silver age goofiness where he goes to like alien planets and fights giant you know purple cuckatoos or something like that or whatever you know it's like you know people you know they they i guess you know it's it's conveniently forgotten or whatever that the there was all kinds of raven the bold yeah yeah, yeah, it's all that kind of wacky stuff where, you know, you got Zebra, you know, Zebra Batman and Rainbow Batman and yeah. Batman and Robin mummies and all that kind of cool stuff. So, you know, I mean, I, I sort of appreciate it all. So it, It's kind of like a generation gap because, you know, I remember Batman, kind of like you, when it was just Adam West and then the cartoon series and stuff. And then you go from that to, like, the Tim Burton movie and then Frank Miller. And it's like people who start out with Frank Miller and Tim Burton, they just see Batman as being – completely serious all the time and they're not aware of like oh you remember when batman was fun and he would like you know scoop up uh, a little bit soup and decode it like you know that's awesome to me too <laughs> yeah See, it's, it's weird because you, you you missed that part of the deconstruction i think you know it's like all they got was the deconstruction and they never had anything constructed to be mm -hmm. deconstructed so it's kind of odd like you know it's a thing of like how do you you know, how do you tear down something and build it back up if you don't have any basis? It's like, how can you, you know, lovingly look at, like, in the Alan Moore killing joke, it's like, how could that scene where he, you know, lovingly looks at the Silver Age portrait of, like, him and, and, and yeah. Batwoman and Batmite and all this stuff and be like, oh, remember the good old days before the Joker was murdering everybody? You know, like, that kind of thing. <laughs> and it's like, if you've never seen, like, the Adam West show or you know, read any of the 50s comics or stuff like that, like, that that kind of holds no weight with you, I think, and I think that's too bad, you know, but that's just me. Yeah, I, I will say one thing to Derek, um, since me and you are, like, like I said, kind of of the same generation, there is one uh, two-parter, they, they were pretty much always two-parters, there was a couple of three-parters, they always had the cliffhanger, I really hated the shame episode, just for that Goddamn fucking kid! Every damn ten minutes, shame. Come back, shame. It's like, oh god, die. Um, uh, I, I like Cliff Robertson, so I'm not that. But no, I don't know how much shame the character. I just hate that fucking kid. 
Yeah, I'm just like, come back, Shane. Well, you know, it was probably some some producer's little kid or something. They're like, hey, Billy, you want to be in a movie? <laughs> okay. All right, just say this. Say, come back, Shane. Come back, Shane. And be really concerned about it. Yeah. Come back, Shane. Come on. Yeah, just drive it in the ground, little Billy. Oh, um, I guess, I guess I'll go ahead and go next real quick. Uh, I really have nothing but a lot of love for Adam West. He, uh... He really did actually play it for comedic value. He he never really took it seriously, and a lot of people would be like, you know, oh, how dare he not take Batman seriously? But I'm like, look at the scripts he was given. He he played it perfectly. He, pl- he played it pitch perfect. And <clears throat> you know, like you know, like I said earlier, like there's and Derek mentioned too, is like there's so many great guest stars. There's like Art Carney. Uh, shoot, uh, the guy who was in uh, Clockwork Orange was in it. Funny. He was like the bookworm or something like that. There was like so many people like who were just great actors. That's uh, Roddy McDowell who was the bookworm. Roddy McDowell, yeah, not the other one. Yeah, Roddy McDowell. Um, but yeah, Roddy McDowell, still a great actor though. And there's all these great actors who just wanted to be goofy-ass motherfuckers in this like, you know, silly, campy TV show. And they really went all into it, you know? Like, uh, Justin mentioned Frank Gorshin as a Riddler. He was a really great actor, but, you know, he was not above, you know, you know, and it was just, it was, it was a really fun romp, you know, whenever you sat down and watched Batman, uh, the 60s show, you were entertained and that, and that's the best you can ask for. It doesn't matter if you like serious Batman or if you do like, you know, sciencey, you know, space Batman, the matter is, it was a really well paced, really well done show. It was did it ever? Uh, did it ever throw any of you guys when uh, John John Gomez would show up and yeah, I didn't know like Gomez was like the Riddler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, so yeah, he kept the mustache like, too. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what, what's going on? Who 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 abducted the Riddler and took his tights? Yeah, it was like when Eartha Eartha Kid was like Catwoman. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> It wasn't because she was black. It was just like, okay, that's obviously not Lee Merriweather or like Julie Newmar. <laughs> but like, yeah, it was like a uh, little little mind fucks there. Um, I, I would say probably my favorite episode, just because I don't know why. I just really enjoyed it. I really liked the uh, episode with uh, King Tut because it first of all it introduced the Batusi. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Batusi was in the first episode, but yeah, but he brought it back for that though. To, to... Oh, on the King Tut, okay. Yeah, yeah. And also, it had like the uh, the ever popular uh, booby trap. That was one of the uh, ongoing kind of tropes with the the series. Every cliffhanger, not only had Batman like you know wondering if he could beat the villain, but he would usually get captured and be put into a ridiculous trap. And it had them being like, uh, it was something like. They were like papyrus and rocks falling on top of them in like a urn or something like that. And like like uh, Batman had to go like he he was like too bad for you King Tut. I was able to simply say the simple nursery rhyme twinkle twinkle little bat. I wonder where you're at to overcome the insanity. <laughs> and I was like wow that's. That's something there, Adam. <laughs> but it's stuff like that that makes it, w- it worthwhile. It's just so silly. It's, it's yeah, like I said, it's just a great show. Also, real quick, just because Justin nor Derek has mentioned it yet, 
one of the best Batmobiles ever. I love the Lincoln Batmobile. That was awesome. Yeah, that thing's really great. Like I saw it in person. Like uh, it was around this time last year, I think. Um, they have one of those cars in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and there's a. Uh, it's called the Hollywood Car Museum or something. And they've got a lot of neat, neat cars like the Ecto One, um, some Bond vehicles, and some other things. But I think my, one of my favorite things was seeing the '60s Batmobile. Like it's like out in front where you can just walk by and see it, but like just. You know, being able to like go up and touch it, like I'm just like, ooh, you know, it's, it kind of gives you like goosebumps. Yeah, you're like touching history. Yeah, it's really cool. Even yeah, I know you like, guys. Uh, oh, I was just gonna say, I know you guys brought up Batgirl before, but uh, one of the people that I got a chance to meet was uh, Yvonne Craig. So like, that's one of the, you know, I have like a autograph collection of like signed, you know, eight by tens and stuff like that. So one of them was with, uh, you know, one of them was with Batgirl, and she was she was nice. She was a nice lady. So. That's cool. I hate you. I know about that too. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> Liar. I need a Polaroid or I'm not going to believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't buy the science of this. I need some evidence. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I hate both of you. I've never seen the Batmobile in person or met Yvonne Craig, so damn you both. Um, go ahead and go jump over to Brian. Uh, what's some uh, fun memories of the Adam West uh, show, sir? Um, like all of you, this is a show that I really enjoyed. And I think um, the main reason is just because of, like, how charming it is. And uh, a, a big, like, piece of evidence to that fact is just how many different generations actually enjoy the show still today. But uh, as I was growing up with my um, dad, you know, I used to watch the show a lot with him. And I enjoyed it just as much as he did. But if I, if you know, he was still around, and I showed him something like The Dark Knight, you know, I, I really doubt he'd give a crap about it. Um, <laughs> and, and again, as we said earlier, I did have a huge crush on Batgirl, and I do like redheads now. So, like Justin, I think that she was at least partly an inspiration for that. Um, as far as individual episodes, it's been a really long time since I've seen seen any. I have the movie on um, DVD, and I've watched that a couple times, so I remember a lot from that. But uh, one episode I did remember was, like, um, the Green Hornet episode. Oh, and yeah. I remember <laughs> the most specific thing I remember about it is thinking it was bullshit when, like, Robin and Kato fought to standstill. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that <laughs> was a kid, funny. I knew that that was they, kind of junk. They, they were, like, they, they got into a big, big argument over that because it was, like, you know, basically, to me, I, I was always kind of like, well, obviously, Bruce Lee can kick all three of those guys' asses in, like, two seconds, <laughs> you know? But it's, like, it's, like, what was funny was I, I think they made a big stink about it because it's like, oh, well, you know, we're going to have, uh, you know, you know, Batman face off against the Green Hornet. So it's like, oh, Robin's going to fight with Kato and stuff. And it was just kind of like, oh, so then they, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it was pretty funny how like that went down. Like, because I think I think Burt Ward made like a big stink about how it was, you know, because I think originally there was going to be a bunch of cool fight stuff and then it was like no no i can't look like an asshole you know so i think i think that kind of uh got squashed because of ego you know or something like mm-hmm. that but yeah it's like bert you, i mean jesus christ we already see your gigantic penis in your damn green <laughs> underwear so just fucking take a beating for once <laughs> i thought i thought you were about to say brian you're like i i didn't buy for a minute that they turned into fucking stamps and then popped out <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, anything else, Brian, before I move on to Mike? No, go on. Okay, just want to make sure. Uh, and finally, but uh, of course not least, uh, Mike, what's your uh, 
Have you, I mean, I, I know you're not a big DC fan. Did you actually watch the 60s show? Or? Yeah, um, I kind of went through a, like, weird, like, uh, cycle with it where, like, I used to watch it when I was, like, really young, like, you know, between, when they, like, probably endlessly repeated it on, uh, I think, yeah, it was, like, TV Land or something. I don't know. It used to be on when I used to, like, you know, was eating dinner or, like, just came home from school. And I used to love it then. And then, like, when I got, like, a little bit older, I was, like, you know, and I saw, like, you know, Batman the Animated Series and the Burton movies and all that. I'm like, wow, this this show is really lame. I can't believe I ever watched it, you know, and <laughs> stuff like that. Then when I got a little older than that, like after a while, and I like I hadn't watched the show in a long time, like I saw the movie and I was like, this is the most awesome thing ever, <laughs> you know. And then you know, and I haven't like switched back from there from now. So now I like love watching that show. Like, yeah, I've got like a, I've got like the fond childhood memories, but you know, I just I like you know the camp and you know how it's just a, a lot of fun and you know it's so quotable too. It's just like you know, so ridiculously, uh, like campy and awesome. And, uh, I don't know, just like, especially the movie. Yeah. I have the movie like on DVD too. And like, I remember like one afternoon I was like, I, I bought it and like, it was like in a, like, I don't know, like a dollar bin or something like it, like, target or kmart or something and i bought it once upon a time and i was like i had to like convince like you know my a couple of my friends who were with me to like watch it and then they're like what a bat like they'd never seen it and they were like they're like this is a batman show from the 60s i mean how 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 good could it be and i'm like trust me you know like this is <laughs> this is gonna be awesome and like they loved it like they were we were all like we were all like dying you know just because i hadn't like seen it and like we were just you know bat shark repellent and like you know <laughs> his, his you know as brian mentioned like his epic bomb disposal routine and stuff and just just everything about that movie is like hilarious yeah i think like, if you uh, if you live long enough kind of what brian was saying about how it appeals to all generations you can go through all those phases of the generational journey, you know, like when you're a little kid, you sort of appreciate it because you like, you know, you like heroes and Batman and toys and the kind of, you know, action adventure aspect to it and fighting crime and that kind of thing, you know, and then, and then maybe when you get to be a teen and you're a horn dog, you're like, Hey, Batgirl's hot. Like, you know, Julie Newmar's super hot, and then the Penguin and Joker and whoever else, they always have all these little hotties, like, that are, you know, their little malls that are running around with them and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, you get to be, like, you know, 17, 18, whatever. Like, you see all the camp and the humor value in it. You know, and I remember what kind of similar to what Mike's saying, like, watching that, that shark scene with a bunch of friends, you know, and us being, you know, in our senior year of high school and we were just crying, you know, dying of laughter, you know? So it's like, you can go through all the sort of phases of appreciation with it. I, I, I was just going to mention when, uh, Mike was saying how quotable it was, I can't actually quote any specific one, but I always loved the leaps of faith with the Riddler's riddles, because instead of being actual, like, you know, logical puns, It'd be like, ah, well, see here it says, in the month of May, the rain is mainly on the, like, plain. Okay, what about May, Robin? Well, May, 
well, May Augustus of the great Caesar Empire of Rome went to here, and it was like, of course, Robin, that means we have to go to Town Square right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was always good. Uh, there's, there's like a joke me and my friend always do from, I think it's from that show where like uh, Batman like takes a sample of some like water he found and it was like, this water is seawater. And, and like Robin's like, it's a boat. And Batman's like, let's go. And like, they just take off. <laughs> and they're like, with no rhyme or reason. It's like, there's only one place there's boats at the sea. Let's go. <laughs> they didn't give you that whole like detective bullshit. He just, you just were like, he's a great detective. He knows what he's talking about. He, he's got it. <laughs> well, it's like the thing, exactly. it's like the thing with the shark, you know, it's like, that shark was pulling my leg. It's like, of course, it's the Joker, you know? It's like, and we were we were at sea, get it? Sea for Catwoman, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's obviously all four of them, you know? Like, so. uh, I, think, I think Brian said this one time, but he, he was like, you know, I'm not a great detective like Batman's computer. <laughs> like, I always remember that. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. they ever popular printout? Ding! <laughs> Yeah, I, I gotta give a special mention to like Adam West's acting in that show, because like Tony said, like you know, if you see those scripts, like there's only one way you could play it, and like he's just, you know, I I just love when he's like in the movie when he's like, you filthy criminals. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just like. Or when he's just like he goes up to a like in one of the episodes he's like he goes up to a bar and he's just like a large orange juice please <laughs> like with a totally straight face like you know yeah. and, I like how the the bartender after that he's kind of like under his breath he's like oh yeah Batman special you know and he walks off <laughs> like he's had it before. <laughs> There's other silly stuff, you know, where he's, like, talking to Catwoman about, you know, her coming over for milk and cookies, you know, like, you know. I'm like, oh, I see what they're really saying, but, like, it's they can't say. No, yeah, he's, like, like, he's like, did you say milk and cookies? <laughs> Like, Even like when 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 he's like on his date with Miss Kitka, you know he's like you know he's like dare we, dare we hold hands, you know. <laughs> uh, well, hey, this this was before uh, you know Starfire and Nightwing were getting hot and heavy in the eighties. So, yeah. uh, uh, just on a related note of like uh, extraneous characters, I, I really loved how like the Gotham City Police and like the comics nowadays fucking useless without Batman. It was like, Batman, you have to come to the police commissioner's office. Why? He can't find his reading glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I like how, how commanding Commissioner Gordon was, even though, yeah, he was like totally ineffectual. Like he was like, uh, it was like, like, you know, they'd be like, Commissioner Gordon, there's like a hostage situation. What can we do? And he's like, we can rely on the Batman. Man, you know, and like, <laughs> we'll just stay back here and smoke some cigarettes, you know, or something. <laughs> some cool, refreshing, uh, they're good for our nerves, you see. <laughs> it's the 60s, they're fine. <laughs> clever. Devilishly clever. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, as far as, far as Batman uh, goes, uh, the 60s series, I'm sure uh, Derek can give us some uh, Amazon links as far as maybe seasons. I'm not sure about seasons. Uh, yeah, you can't actually get any yeah. of that stuff on DVD. There's a bunch of legal entanglements because 20th Century Fox made the series, so they have a certain stake in the rights. And then, of course, you know, Warner, Warner Brothers, Brothers owns 
Batman, so they they have the stake in the rights, and they've never been able to really come to any kind of uh, agreement on the whole, you know, split and royalties and all that kind of stuff. So I, I don't, I mean, most people are as like, as far as I know, the, the movie you can still get though. Pretty yeah, easy. the yeah. movie, the movie was released. Uh, you know, like Brian said, you can get it on Blu-ray, you can get it on DVD and stuff like that. But yeah, I think it's going to be. Uh, I mean, unless they figure out some way to to, you know, either, you know, figure out a split that they can both agree on for DVDs, or maybe they can figure out some way to do that digitally distributing it. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I kind of wouldn't hold my breath on that. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, this thing called the Internet, if people want to try that. I am not condoning <laughs> using the Internet uh, <laughs> for such illegal reasons, but if you do, that's up to you. <laughs> um, or you can check it out weekdays on the Hub. Oh, is it on yeah, the it is. It is airing on the hub. Like oh, they do oh, blocks of it. So yeah, yeah. I, I was not aware of that. So yeah, you can even do it legally. So there you go. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I think you could tell by our reactions. It's, it's totally something you should at least watch. It's it's, it's good tongue and cheek humor. Very good camp value. Um, we're gonna go ahead and move along with our next topic. Favorite Batman story. Um, like I said, I wasn't really sure on how we were gonna go about this. I don't know if we're just going with uh, comics or animated or even movies. I assume it's an open field for whatever story we feel is uh, the best. But, yeah, there's been so many Batman stories. Dear Lord, he's been around for over 50 years. So, yeah, quite a few. You're sure you didn't hurt your head in that fight, Batman? Perfectly. Swallow this pill. So, basically, we're just going to kind of pick and choose our favorite one. Nothing more easy than that. I want to go ahead and start with probably one of the biggest DC fans here. Even though I'm not always the biggest Batman fan. <laughs> Uh, but he does like the character, so he's he's not going to be biased. He does obviously have his favorites. So what about it, Derek? What's your favorite Bat story? Well, uh, I'm also going to use this opportunity to promote uh, a list that I will have up on the uh, History of Comics Film uh, blog spot. Um, I've got my – I'll have – you know, by the time of this recording, I'll have a top ten Batman list. And then uh, that should be followed by a uh, uh, top 10 Catwoman and Bane list, too. So there should be a bunch of stuff on there um, by the time this airs. Um, so check that out if you want to read stuff in more detail. Um, but uh, I know uh, Brian was asking me about this the other day. But uh, one of the uh, my, you know, I'll, I'll spoil the number one pick or whatever. And I, I, I said it was kind of odd because it is it is technically a comic book, but it also is technically uh you know, uh, a read-along, you know, book and record set, too, which is, uh, it's a story called Robin Meets Man Bat. And uh, the reason why I really dig it was because it, technically it's probably like one of the first Batman comics I ever owned. And um, it's why I knew who Man Bat was, because I, you know, it was like one of the first books I had probably when I was like five or six or something like that. And then on top of that, um, it had a lot of great art from Neil Adams because I guess technically what they did was it, it's kind of an original story because they put Robin into the story, but it kind of is reprinted from early Neil Adams work on Detective Comics. So it like takes like, you know, pages from, you know, Man Bat's origin i think in like detective comics like 500 and then it takes a few panels from like 502 
where it introduces like his wife Francine and then like I think 507 is where they get married and everything and so like it, it sort of takes little panels and clips from that but I've always really liked Neil Adams art I know we kind of discussed this in the past but it was one of those things where I guess also growing up with Adam West and growing up with I guess you'd say like the the character designs for like filmation and like the Alex Toth, you know, super friends and stuff. It's yeah. like they were they were great designs, but they weren't really etched in realism. And so when I saw Neil Adams work for the first time, it was like, "Whoa, there are these guys in black leotards and they've got these like, you know, night vision goggles on that are all red and it looked like super kind of hyper realistic to my eyes, you know? And then seeing like Kirk Langstrom like transform and then having like a you know a record or an audio tape to go along with it like there are these kind of creepy like screams and stuff where you know Mambat would come on and it'd be like scream scream you know and you'd kind of you know you're little kids and you're kind of like whoa this is creepy and stuff hopefully a little bit better than that though right (laughs) yeah well you know it was like seeing Mambat like transform and stuff like that it's like you know combined with the art and everything like I just I really really enjoyed it so that's like one of my you know, more favorite stories. And I guess if you're curious about it, um, an easy way to get access to that is uh, the Neil Adams Batman collection. Like, they released three hardcovers of, like, all of Neil Adams' Batman work up to that point. And so, you know, most of it is old issues of Batman and Detective Comics and various covers from, like, Brave and the Bold and things like that. But one of the sort of, you know, little extras in the third volume in the back, like that Robin meets man bat story is actually reprinted in there as well, since it's kind of a semi original story. So anyway, um, that that's probably like one of my favorites, but there's like, you know, I don't know. I could sit here and talk about Batman comics all night, you know? So it's like, I don't want to, you know, go on forever and ever. I'd rather just have other people say some stuff and maybe, maybe I'll just agree with them and be like, Oh yeah, I like this and that and the other thing. So I will say one thing uh, before I move on to somebody else. Uh, Mambat is a very interesting character, as in, except for the Batman animated series, he gets no love. He's not in JLU, he's not in any of the Batman movies, so <clears throat> anytime you get a chance to check out some Kurt Langstrom, you know, definitely take a look at it, because he's not one of the more well-used Batman rogues uh, gallery villains. So yeah, definitely check that out. I'll just back you up, Derek. I, I had that record book that you're, you're talking about as well. Only when I was growing up, I did not have the record. I just had basically the comic storybook, I guess. Um, but I think it's I guess that's you know kind of another generational gap that you know some of us remember you know look and see little storybooks that would have a record with it. I mean, I had a ton of those little books that had that record with them. I thought those were great. <laughs> As Derek is fond of saying, when RTD2 goes, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, turn the page. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I have my favorites, but I'm going to hold off because, not to pick on him, but again, Mike's not a very big DC fan, but he does know Batman, so I'm going to go ahead and go to Mike real quick and see what his favorite Bat story is. Yeah, I actually haven't uh, read a lot of Batman, like, you know, I, I, I have all, like, the obvious stuff, like, Year One and Dark Knight, uh, uh, Returns, and, uh, I even have a copy of Hush, which I only bought because I, I like Jim Lee's art, and it was, like, on Clarence, and it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, Derek is, like, jokingly, like, derided hush like <laughs> like uh in the past by like saying no, dude you know, i'm like, i'm a hater 
I hate hugs. You're you're a hater. <laughs> Haters. But I, I think I think you said something like like someone mentioned hush and you like sort of like did a like fanboy impersonation where you were like best Batman story ever, you know, and then like <laughs> I kinda I, I kinda laughed because like when I bought Hush, like I, I got it was like Clarence and like this this comic store was like getting rid of all of its uh trades and stuff and I got Hush for like seven bucks. And, uh, the, like, when I bought, like, I, I brought it up to the register, and, like, the kid behind the register was like, oh, you are in for a treat. That's, like, what I... I'd be like, you are in for a treat. Killer Croc <laughs> looks like a Damonite. The big tough guy, Harold, who was a good supporting character, shot in the fucking head. So awesome, this story. Hold on to your asses, folks. I don't know. That's Man. that's just that's just what I thought of when you boy, did that like, look impersonation. Look at the way he owned Superman in an issue flat. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's good but like like i said i i mostly only enjoy that story for jim lee's art but um i also like i also have like the recent morrison batman and robin issues where like it's dick grayson as batman like i enjoyed all those um i guess i guess my favorite batman story though would have to be like an animated one because that's probably what i'm most familiar with and i really really love uh mask of the phantasm like i know it's just like an adaptation of uh, what is it year two i think you said derek at one point or i i kind of like i think when i first watched it in the theater like that's kind of how i felt about it like although i don't think bruce tim and crew ever like acknowledged any connection to that like they kind of said, yeah, oh, this me... is an all-new original story. But my, my kind of take on it was, if you just kind of swap... Um, Phantasm and Reaper, yeah. If, you, if Yeah, like, the, the Reaper was... Like, you know how, like, he suspects uh, Andrea Beaumont's father? Like, year two, basically, the father is the Reaper. And, you know, the, the Andrea Beaumont character... Um, I forget what her... I think her name is, like, Rachel... I can't remember what her last name is. But no, no. it's like she's she she ends up going into a convent or whatever at the end of the story or something like that. But she was like, you know, Bruce's love interest in that. And so basically he spends the you know year two, you know, palling around with Joe Chill and they, you know, they go after the Reaper and all that stuff. But I always kind of thought the Reaper was was very phantasm ish. Reaper had a much better uh, weapon, though. Like the, the phantasm had like the kind of Captain Hook arm with like a big blade on it. But the Reaper had like a spike studded ball with a gun in it and then a blade coming out of it. <laughs> like that's well, how you kill people, motherfucker. <laughs> now, in whatever case though, I, I really like Mask of the Phantasm and since I've never read Year Two, I can just dis, dis disregard it pretty much. Year, year two you know, isn't isn't just... Shakespeare or anything. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I wouldn't you know, I, I wouldn't uh begrudge you for enjoying Mask of the Phantasm, so yeah, it, it was definitely I, year one was really good. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember, like, my aunt brought, like, I, I actually got to see Mask of the Phantasm in theaters. I know it was, like, kind of a flop, but, uh, like, I, 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 my aunt brought me and my cousins to go see it. And I think she was, like, a little put off with how, like, violent it was because she was kind of, like, you know, after we saw it, we, me, and my, me and my cousins were all like, wow, that was great, you know, Batman and shit. And then my aunt was just kind of like, wow, that was uh, 
uh, dark, and think, you know my cousin. I think, it was, I think it was PG, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was PG thirteen because oh, wow. I think by that point, I like I know I was able to go to the movies by myself, you know, because I had <laughs> I had the car. I, I want to watch this car. There. Yeah. It's not like they ever had any other theatrical releases of, yeah. uh, you know, animated. I, I, I always lay that on the uh, movie poster where Batman looks like he's going to heaven for some reason. And I don't know. I just I just remember that like my cousin who was like probably like six or seven at the time was like asking my aunt like, oh, can we get that when it comes out on video? And my aunt was like, um, we'll see. You know, <laughs> she I don't I don't think she was like thrilled at like how. Uh, mature the subject matter was, but like, like I, I always, it always stuck with me. Uh, I, in in a similar vein, I also like a Return of the Joker, like Batman Beyond. Uh, I, as a as a Spider Man fan, I always think like Terry McGinnis is awesome, and you know, I kind of, I kind of like Batman uh, Return of the Joker in a sort of like. Uh, in this sort of way, like Justin, you and Derek, like Rodimus Prime, almost like it's kind <laughs> of like Terry Terry's ascension, almost to like you know, at the end there where he's like, oh, oh, I just beat you know, the the ultimate bad guy. So it, I, that's really cool, and uh, that's that's pretty that's pretty much it, I guess. I mean, I I I I was thinking about this topic, and I'm I was just like, you know, I'm not like. I I, lo- I like Batman, but I'm not like a huge like Batman guy. So, you know. No, nothing wrong with that. I mean, gotta go with what you like. I mean, there's no uh, bias to uh, not being a huge uh, Batman reader. I guess I'm gonna go ahead and go next real quick because two of mine are really widely universally praised ones, or well, one of them's kind of derided, but it, it's still pretty much you know accepted. Uh, probably my, my, one of my favorite is, of course, the Killing Joke. Widely accepted as one of the better Batman stories. Great art, great story. Very dark, very gritty, but in a, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. An acceptable or a, a way where you can get into it. It's not just violent for no reason. You know, it makes the Joker fucking scary. Instead of just like, ha, 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 hit you with a boxing glove, Batman. It's like, no, I shot a bad girl in the fucking spine, the kid had Commissioner Gordon, and uh, mentally raped him. So, uh, how you doing, Bats? You know? <laughs> it's, 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 it's a little dark, you know? And, of course, the art, again, is just spectacular. Uh, another one that I really liked was uh, Death in the Family. And it doesn't matter if you like Jason Todd or not. It doesn't matter if you care about the Superboy Prime punching where he came back as Red Hood or not. This is where Robin died. You know, before this, Robin was always the goofy sidekick or the lighthearted sidekick. You know, he's Tim Drake, then, you know, the mantle got passed on to Jason Todd. And, you know, Robin doesn't die. You know, he's, 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 you know, he's like, yay, I make Batman, you know, not so grim. And he gets fucking beat down by a crowbar and blown the fuck up. 
that's some pretty yeah. heavy shit. You know? I know you're you're talking about us being of the same generation. Like those two stories were something that you were quickly indoctrinated into if you were interested in Batman. You know, when you were my and Tony's okay. age, because yeah. I, I think the the it was right before the '89 film came out, and both those stories were. You know, it was kind of like, oh, if you you know you read Batman comics, you got to check this out. You know, there was a current, yeah. It was a huge hoopla over it. You know, there was the media attached to it where they're like, oh, they're going to kill Robin. And then, you know, of course, it's like a lot of the famous stories and forwards that Denny O'Neill puts in all the trades. You know, most of the media, you know, they don't kind of explain, oh, it's the second Robin. Like everybody thought, you know, they were killing Burt Ward. You know, like pretty much. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of how that's kind of how most people took it. You know, and then you know there was the one nine hundred number, and I remember I I called it and I voted for him to live. You know, which is kind of funny, but I do remember doing that. Um, and then uh, you know the Killing Joke, uh, obviously. Like I'll just echo everything that Tony said. I mean, I don't I don't think I wrote about it on my on my blogs or anything, but that's because I sort of made the caveat like. I guess when I wrote the Wolverine list I wrote, I kind of said, well, I'm not really counting X-Men stories. You know, I'm just doing like solo Wolverine stories. And my caveat with the, the Batman list is, well, I'm not really including Joker stories because maybe I'll I'll write, a, you know, a Joker list. It's kind of like when they ended up coming out with the, the greatest Batman stories ever told while they were trying to pull a bunch of lists and, and reprints for that, that hardcover, you know, uh, book when the Batman movie came out, they kept saying, well, geez, so many of these great stories are with the Joker. So they're like, oh, fuck it. We'll just make two books, you know, and they made one of, you know, the greatest Batman stories ever told and one of the greatest Joker stories ever told. So, you know, along those lines, it's like, yeah, the killing joke was always something that was, uh, you know, definitely influential and, and a big deal if you were reading Batman comics at the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's pretty much what got me kind of into Batman. Besides the movie, and then probably my uh, third pick. Uh, I've got my honorable mentions, I guess. This one is it's still pretty popular. A lot of people really like it, but it's more of a comic fan one instead of just like more wide stream uh, fan media. I really like Gotham by Gaslight. Uh, Mike Mignola's artwork is really good. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's it's a good story. It's an Elseworlds story. Where it's like a Victorian kind of, you know, almost almost steampunkish Batman, but not really. It's like Jack of the Jack the Ripper kind of era, where you know, it, it it's again gritty and very real, but in a way that like with the way the story is told, the way the setting is uh, placed, you get pulled out of Batman, but still pulled into Batman, you know, it's like, it's like a brand new origin, you know, it's like, oh, I like how this Batman comes about, I like how he operates, you know, it's still Bruce Wayne, but he's like, not Bruce Wayne, it's very hard to really quantify, but well, I mean, you you can, you can kind of give people the the basic rundown if they don't know what it is, like an Elseworlds, if people aren't familiar with it, is kind of like a Marvel what if, you know, what if you know, something happened. And you could basically say the basic premise of Gotham by Gaslight is what if Batman existed in Victorian England during the period where Jack the Ripper existed and he has to hunt him down. I mean, that's the basic, you know, that's the, that's the pitch of that story. And, and, you know, and it's a cool story. I was going to ask Brian, were you the one that posted that cool link with the like sort of abandoned, uh, yeah, the video game. 
Yeah, that looked really cool. I don't know if anybody knows about that, but maybe if they want to check it out. Was that on YouTube or? Um, I don't remember where I found it, to be honest. I, yeah. The video I probably linked to is YouTube, but I think there was a whole article I read about it. Yeah, because I thought that was really cool. Like, I, I, I thought it looked cool, like, and it would have been a neat game. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know what happened with that. But if anybody wants to check it out, uh, you know, there's definitely – I know there's videos and links up of, uh, you know, sort of test test gameplay for a, a Gotham by Gaslight game that I guess was abandoned. But it is kind of cool if you're if you're a fan of that comic like Tony is. Yeah, uh, it's a prestige format. You could probably pick it up for pretty cheap right now because, I mean, it's an older copy. You just had to find a copy. It's definitely not been reprinted that much. Um, since Justin has uh, echoed quite a few of our picks already, kind of curious to what he chose by himself, what his favorites are. So, uh, Justin, what's some of your favorite Bat stories? Well, I just kind of assumed that everyone was going to pick either Year One or The Dark Knight Returns, so I went with some other of my favorites. Um, I've mentioned this one on a previous show when we were discussing, you know, what Batman comics could be adapted into like a, a DTV movie or something. Um, I really like Batman Prey, and if you're not familiar with it, it's a big um, storyline in Legend of the Dark Knight where basically Hugo Strange figures out who Batman's identity is, and he has this like psychological warfare that he's waging against Batman where he's trying to make Batman doubt himself and basically go insane. And then Hugo Strange kind of tries to assume the Batman mantle. He's like – it's always like a kind of a funny but kind of haunting image where you see Hugo Strange wearing the Batman suit. But instead of having the mask on, you just see his like weird bald head and his glasses. It's kind of weird and creepy for some reason. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a pretty cool story. I think uh, like one of the favorites on my list is the the whole uh, strange apparitions thing, where they kind of have him do that in that story as well. Like try to sort of assume the the I guess mindset of Batman by by sort of wearing his clothes and you know, trying to think like he thinks and that kind of stuff. I, yeah. I think I remember like a, a image in wizard back in the day. And it, it was kind of creepy. It's like, he goes strange. Like, uh, it's from that series, like hitting like a, a Batman pose where he's like all crouched over stuff, but he's on like a friggin' chair. And he, like you said, Jesse, you just see that bald head and those glasses. And it's just like, that's not right. <laughs> just doesn't doesn't fit it just kind of creeps you out i agree and then i think a lot of the other rumors about i mean i don't know because i've been trying to stay away from spoilers for the dark knight rises but you know obviously as of this recording none of us have seen it yet but uh by the time this is released um it will be out in theaters but uh i i remember reading like people were like oh yeah I think Nolan's using Prey as the basis of this, you know, this screenplay they're writing or whatever, you know, and I, I remember going back and rereading it, you know, when, when that was posted in some, you know, blogs and news articles and outlets and stuff and kind of going, well, yeah, he's being hunted by the cops at the beginning of it, you know, cause it's, yep. it's set early in Batman's career and stuff like that. And I thought that guy, um, it's like it's got Catwoman in it, just like you know the movie has Catwoman in it. And then I just thought, hey, you just kind of swap out, um, you know, uh, that guy. What, what was his name? Like the Night Stalker or whatever his name was yeah. with Bane. And I'm like, oh well, maybe you got a movie. But anyway, I we'll see when uh, when the movie comes out. But that was something that uh, sort of occurred to me when you mentioned Prey. 
Got any others on your uh, list there, Justin? Um, kind of a follow-up story to Prey is a story called Transference, which ran in Gotham Knights um, for about four issues, which it's you know, kind of a follow-up to Prey where it's basically – you know, kind of the same idea as Hugo Strange is still playing around with the idea of who is Batman, is it Bruce Wayne, you know, can I become Batman, only this kind of, this time around you end up adding Robin and Nightwing into the mix, and it's it's a pretty good follow-up, I think. Um, uh, something Mike mentioned, you know, where he's, like, talking about, you know, Hush and stuff, like, I kind of had a, a similar incident with a buddy of mine uh, from high school, we... We kind of lost contact after high school, and we met up again a few years ago, and we got to talking about comics because we were both you know, big comic fans in high school, and we were discussing um, – I think The Dark Knight had just came out in theaters, so we were talking Batman, and he was like, oh, man, I just read like the best Batman story I've ever read. It's so great. You're going to love it if you haven't read it. I'm like, oh. All right, you know, tell me what it is. He's like, it's called Hush, and you know, all these bad guys come back to fight Batman. You know, Jason Todd might be back. And I'm like, um, like I, I didn't want to like, you know, hurt his feelings or anything. So I'm just like, yeah, I'll, I'll try and check that out. But yeah, I, I think that's another, you know, you know, kind of generation gap where, you know, some of us older fans who have read Hush, we don't really like it. We think it's kind of overrated, but. The art is nice, but as far as the story, we've kind of seen that thing done before, and we've seen it done better. So, I, I think, it's like, like it's crap, but it's really pretty crap. <laughs> yeah, kind of like the current, you know, John's Jim Lee run on Justice League. Like, it looks pretty, but as far as the story goes, like, okay, what story? Like, you know, they come together and. You know, dark side angry, and then the end, like that. That's all the story there is. Yeah, yeah that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, the, you know, the other right thing on. too is like, I guess it's kind of like what you're saying. Like, it's not like there haven't been stories where the Justice League has come together before. And then, you know, you look at stuff like Hush, and you're like, well, I'd rather have somebody say they they've got the greatest Batman story for me in the world, and say, you know, oh, it's the story called Nightfall. It's awesome. All the Batman villains you know, come out to, to get them, you know, or something, or, you know, I don't know, you know, like the anniversary issue in number 400 where Rachel Gould does the same thing, you know, he busts everybody, you know, out of the prison or whatever. I don't know, you know, just stuff like that where you're like, I'd rather, you know, see those things, you know, or, 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 hey, KG Beast or, you know, whoever, you know, so, you know. Yeah, like a, a kind of a peripheral Batman story that I like. It, it's not about Batman per se, but it's about one of his villains, um, like the Legion of Superheroes take on uh, Ra's al Ghul. I think it's in just the series that was called Legion. Yeah, yeah, um, that was the. It, it's like an Abnett and Lanning book, but I guess it's never. I, I don't think it's been released in trade yet, but I'm not sure. But I, I thought that was a really, you know, clever girl, you know, because it's kind of thing where it's like, oh, of course, you know, if Ra's could live long enough, he would fight, you know the legion of superheroes and he's still trying to like take over the world and make it better and i i i really liked his uh, interactions with um monel like i thought that was really interesting you know like you know like i said not quite a batman story but just kind of you know on the fringes there it's still something cool like if that you know if that sounds interesting to you you might want to check it out cool cool yeah um always good to think outside the box of course um yeah, well, we've gone through a lot of stories right now, but we still have one more fan hole to uh, 
conspire with on the Bat Mythos. Uh, Brian, what are some great Batman stories you've read that you would like to recommend to our listeners? Man, you guys really hate Hush, huh? <laughs> um, I'm kind of going to out myself as a Batman noob, I guess. You guys can make fun of me all you want. But um, kind of like Mike, I haven't collected a whole lot of Batman. I just have like the big stories in trade form, uh, whether it be Dark Knight's Returns or Year One. Uh, as a kid, I did have a few like detective comics, and I tried to look for them, but I couldn't find them. And the only thing I remember was like one issue where there's a bunch of like Batman um, guys dressed up as Batman, like Batman imposters that were like committing these murders. And I remember like a lady drawing the bat symbol in her carpet as she died holding the phone. So being that that was all I remembered of that story, I, I didn't think it was a good choice. So the story I went with was Hush. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's been kind of interesting listening to all your opinions. Uh, going back to me being a noob, like, um, you know, Derek saying, you know, the death of Harold was one of the things that bothered him. You know, I mean, he's totally right in thinking that wouldn't bother me because, you know, I'm not a big Batman fan. I didn't have a whole lot of backstory on who Harold was. Yeah, you're like, I, I don't give a shit about this hunchback. Fuck it. <laughs> right. So where that, something like that can easily, you know, tick off a hardcore Batman fan. It didn't bother me. Um, you know, most Jeff Loeb stories, I either love them or hate them. And this just ended up being one I loved. Uh, like, right off the bat, like, as I, oh, that was a pun, but not intended. Uh, right from the <laughs> beginning, I, I, as I was reading it, I figured either one, it's going to be Thomas Elliot. Or two, it's going to be Jason Todd. So as he's throwing out all the red herrings, you know, and, you know, you find out that, oh, my God, Jason Todd's crypt is empty, you know. Like, I really enjoyed that stuff. And um, seeing Clayface, like, um, trying to impersonate Jason Todd and Batman finding him, that was all cool. And I really liked at the end of the story, you know, how uh, he goes up to Riddler and he's like, so where is his body? And, you know, the Riddler's like, well, you know, I'm not telling. And so, you know, Batman decks him and the cop comes in and he's like, oh, he fell. But anyways, I thought that was really cool. And, like, just leaving up the possibility for someone to come in and, you know, rewrite Jason Todd back into things. I just enjoyed, you know, the fact that Hush left that open. Were you, were you like, happy with the fact that it turned out to be Tommy Elliott? Or was it more just you liked all the hype about that it, Hush could be Jason Todd? If I had one complaint to give about Hush, it would be that I wish um, Tommy Elliott... Elliot was established maybe like a year or two before like Hush really got serious because you know like I said it was pretty obvious up front as I was thinking it was going to be him or Jason Todd so when when it turned out to be him it's like you know yeah I called it you know whatever right from the beginning but um, other than that I, I didn't have a problem with it yeah I know I know I mean I, I don't think this is a, an opinion that's overly popular with hardcore Batman fans but I, I kind of like the follow-up stuff with Hush. Like, I kind of like, like the stuff in Gotham Knights where, like, he tracks down the Riddler after all that and, like, breaks his hands and, like, throws him off a fucking roof and stuff. Like, I kind of thought that kind of stuff was cool. But, I mean, I, I know some people are like, are you like, what? Like, they freak out and they're you're dumb. But, you know, I don't know. See, I enjoyed that, so. I'm, I'm, I'm technically, like, a Batman noob, too. But, like, I, I just didn't, like, I don't, like... Once I saw that it was Tommy Elliott, I was like, oh, so it was like, you know, the thing what everyone suspected from the very beginning. So I was kind of like, eh, you know, I just kind of <laughs> like uh, that kind of, I don't know, rubbed me the wrong way. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, the thing about it is, though, 
it doesn't matter like what you know everybody else thinks about the story. If you if you enjoy it, you know there's nothing wrong with the fact you like Hush Brian. I mean we're not like yeah guys. You know, <laughs> we're not gonna say like you're wrong. Yeah. Conform to peer pressure. How dare you disagree with us? No, there's 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 got to be tons of people who like Hush. I mean obviously yeah, like like what like ass, like so Justin was saying like the. You know, the kid who told him, I've got this great story for you or whatever. And, and I'm sure there's plenty of people who, you know, enjoyed it. I guess, you know, like like what Brian's saying, if you don't have any of that frame of reference, maybe you were a, a living in happy ignorance, you know. So that's 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 a good thing, right? On the other hand, Brian, the guy who sold that to Justin also said, by the way, I got this great movie you should check out. It's called Attack of the Clones. No, actually, uh, he's like, have you seen the latest Transformers movie? It was for <laughs> God damn him. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I saw it. So anyway, you know, move the conversation away from that. You turned Brian <laughs> against him as well now. <laughs> Brian was on his side for a minute. He's like, fuck. <laughs> you know, here, I'll, I'll I'll be the bigger man. Even though I didn't enjoy Hush myself, I will say one thing. It did get a lot of uh, press for Batman. It was, it was, I don't know if it was on the same level as the death of Superman, but it did get a lot of people reading Batman. Well, again. it was it was a big deal because I think because of Jim Lee, you know, yeah. like oh, I think yeah. it was a huge deal that that Jim Lee crossed over from Marvel to DC. That, that was like, like, first I mean, I know I know he left to do Image and all that stuff, but you know, like that to a lot of people was like, oh, whoa, like you know, Jim Lee doing Batman, like even though he did some Batman in, like, those black-and-white issues where he was trying to, like, ape Frank Miller style or whatever he was doing yeah. back in the day. It's like, like dude, this was kind of like... Gambit. Yeah, yeah. This was kind of like really for reals Jim Lee, you know, drawing Batman, so... What I was going to say is, have you guys seen how Jim Lee draws Huntress? Like Nuff said, she's pretty hot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Giggity-giggity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think me and Brian are secret brothers this whole episode because I really dig, you know... Batgirl and Huntress, so <laughs> high five, secret perv brothers. <laughs> Batgirl and Huntress, two great tastes that taste great together. And I count the more different women Huntress is, the less clothing she wears. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um. Again, I mean, just to uh, echo what you're just saying. It doesn't matter what you like. If you like it, read it. Uh, there are tons of good Batman uh, stories out there, except for that last Frank Miller one that's not a Batman story. Um, <laughs> oh, the racist Muslim one? Yeah, that one. <laughs> Holy terror or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but there's... I like that too, so you can all hate on me as well. <laughs> <laughs> Hater! <laughs> Hater's gonna hate. But uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's a ton of great Batman stories out there, so... Read what you want. I would say though, and yes, even Hush. Not you know, I'm not gonna like deride it because I I I have no. If, if you know nothing about Batman, you'll love Hush. Yeah, no and, and, and again, <laughs> <laughs> if you have no idea who Bruce Wayne is, fuck <laughs> <laughs> but no, no. I mean, I I, I take all the uh, fan holes uh, recommendations to heart. Just yeah, pick them up, check them out, see what you like. Uh, you might like Hush. You may hate Death in the Family. You might like Death in the Family. May hate Hush. You know, just see what you like, and just go into it with an open mind. That's all I gotta say. To that, we're going to move on to our favorite Batman villain, who is not the Joker. Salt and corrosion. The infamous old enemies of the crime fighter. That's because it's too easy. The Joker has been around forever. He is. 
quintessentially Batman's arch nemesis. If, without Joker, you don't have Batman. Without Batman, you don't have the Joker. But at the same time, Batman has had many, many great villains that he's gone against. And that's, those are the ones we're going to give a little bit of a spotlight to. The guys who don't really get that much of a rub or don't get that much uh, love from the mainstream media. Everybody knows the Joker. We're going to talk about the guys the mainstream media doesn't know. I'm gonna Everyone start... better be talking about Egghead and King Tut. <laughs> yeah, Egghead. <laughs> I mentioned King Tut already, remember, from the 60s. So. Dude, uh, Egghead in a dinosaur costume. That's what we need to be talking about right now. <laughs> At all times. <laughs> uh, I'm actually going to uh, start off with Mike this time. Uh, again, because he's not a big DCFile, so he may not know a lot of Batman's rogues besides the uh, movie ones. So I'll, I'll give him a, uh, a few minutes to just go with. I want to go on the. I want to go on the line and say you're going to pick the one that looks the coolest. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, my favorite Batman villain, who is not the Joker, is Joel Schumacher. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> Cars can't drive on walls, Joel. In my world, they can't. I freaking love that freaking shot they took at him in the uh, Batman. He's got, he's got that the little like that little pink like fur on his like yeah yeah shoulders. That's pretty. Funny. They're like they, they, they all the kids are like get real, Joel. You know they're like shut up. But, uh, but um, I'd have to. Honorable mentions. Uh, I like you know uh, Two Face, uh, Mister Freeze. I like Bane as he's like like originally portrayed as like smart and not like devolved into like the big dumb muscle guy and stuff. Like I think I think he was yeah I think he was cool. Um, like you, you could even see it in the animated series. Like his first appearance, he was kind of. I think they kind of played him up for laughs almost. But then, like when they they switched over to the Red Sky animation, he was a lot cooler. And, yeah, I like you know, that. I like that where he's like, a "Pleasure, you remember me, Mister Wayne?" You know, he's yeah. like throwing around the bat signal and all that stuff. Yeah, or like he was like, "Hi, Fred, you were gone forever, Batman." But that means I would have never felt your spine crumble in my hands, you know. It's pretty good. Whoever was doing his voice did a good job there. So, but uh, um, I'd have to give it though to Scarecrow. I've always liked the Scarecrow. I think he's always had a cool gimmick, and he usually gets a really cool design too. Like he always looks cool, awesome. I really, I really like like he, his Red Sky design. Yeah, the Red Sky one is like freaking. Like I, I was surprised. Like they put that like on a Saturday morning cartoon show because he's he's freaking terrifying looking. Yeah, he's got the noose around his neck. He's got the little like dark like circle little beady eyes and stuff. Yeah. He looks really frightening and like even in like Arkham Asylum, like his his design is really cool. I like he has like the needle hands, like all his ha- fingers are like all syringes and stuff. So, you know, I, I've always liked his gimmick. I was going to uh, chime think... in and say that in Arkham Asylum, his, like, terror level, like, nightmare levels are definitely the best levels of the whole game. Yeah, they, they are really cool, yeah. They, they do give... They, it's a good, like, simulation of what it would be like to be, like, under the effect of his gas, pretty right. much, yeah. Um, I was going to say, he, he, he kind of... I don't know, he kind of reminds me of like a 
sort of like Transformers villain almost, like like Bombshell or Tarantulas or something almost. Like he's sort of like he's got like a gimmick almost. I, I don't know he's how to explain really it. He's not strong, but he can fuck with your head, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's got like a little like mind gimmick or something. But yeah, yeah so I, I'd go with the Scarecrow. Cool, cool. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, shift over to another uh, self-professed bat noob uh, besides the Joker. Again, uh, who's your favorite, you know, looks-wise or even uh, character-wise bat villain? You're throwing to me? Yeah. Uh, I, Being I, the only I, other noob. <laughs> um, actually, I chose the Riddler. And um, kind of this relates back to what I've said in the past. I think we were talking about, like, which variation of Lex Luthor did you like? And I always liked the, you know, intelligent, cunning very cerebral Lex Luthor as compared to my, you know, the more like kind of insane ones or comical ones. But anyways, um, I thought it's funny that you actually mentioned that we couldn't use the Joker because although he's like the best well-known like Batman villain and there's some great stories at the minute, like I know it's probably a bad idea to probably to apply real world common sense to a comic, but I could never understand why anyone in the right mind would want to follow like someone like the Joker just because have He's either played like you know as so insane or just so goofy. Like I couldn't believe he'd have any henchmen or whatever. But um, yeah. you know, on the flip side of that, Riddler comes across as someone who can like match Batman's wits. And my favorite Batman stories are where he's you know in like the detective mindset, figuring things out, just showing how intelligent he is, not necessarily how powerful he is. So I think the Riddler is a very good like opponent for you know Batman to you know fight with his mind basically. Um, I don't know if it's still current. Uh, Derek can definitely uh, fix my uh, faux pas if I'm incorrect. But uh, I don't know if he's doing it right now. But for a while, Riddler got out of jail on the up and up, didn't escape. And he was actually – he actually had his own detective agency for a while, right? Yeah, that was – I guess that that's – you'd say that's what pre-Flashpoint or pre-New 52 or whatever. Like, yeah, I – I know yeah, you're he, talking he was about kinda, some of those issues. He was kind of pissing Batman off, too, because he was actually doing pretty well at it. <laughs> I was going to say, Brian, what you what you were saying about like how no one would follow the Joker. It's, it reminds me of, uh, there's like a, a video on YouTube or something. It's like Batman like singing this song. And it, like one of the lines in the song is like, uh, uh, he's talking about like the Joker, the Joker's henchman. And he's like... Uh, the, the Joker's henchmen are psycho and expendable, but yet somehow completely dependable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's uh, uh, Key of Awesome. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's some good stuff. Yeah, Riddler's. Yeah, uh, 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 just because we did mention the uh, Adam West series, Frank Gorshin or. Uh, oh, shit. What's the other? Uh, Gomez. I always call him John Aston. Yeah, I think I called him John Gomez when I was talking about it. It's John, it's John any, any preference, Brian? Um, Frank Gorshin, because yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. John Aston only think, played him maybe twice, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's definitely the one I'm most familiar with. And, you know, I don't know, he's even a musician, so he's, like, multi-talented. So. Yeah, he won He won an Emmy for that, so. Yeah, yeah, totally cool. Totally cool. Yeah, Riddler's definitely not a bad choice at all. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, throw it to our good friend Justin on the uh, next pick for the non-Joker best villain in the Bat universe. Well, I'm going to go with the guy who I just was just previously talking about. I'm going to go with uh, Hugo Strange. Um, he's probably kind of out there, uh, at least as far as you know, 
like popularity or appearances. He's up there with kind of the man bat. Like he doesn't really seem to get a whole lot of time to shine, even though he's been appearing on uh, Young Justice uh, quite often. Like he's had one Morning big story. Strange. Yeah, he's had <laughs> one kind of big story and a few cameos here and there. So kind of hoping they'll do something with him. But uh, I guess uh, like Mike was saying with the Scarecrow, I kind of like any villain that can kind of – you know, go toe to toe with uh, Batman as far as uh, you know his intellect. You know, like Scarecrow in terms of like fear, making him doubt himself, or you know, like the Riddler, where he's you know playing weird, you know, mind games or having Batman you know, jump through weird hoops to try and figure something out. You know, I like those kind of villains, and that's basically what Hugo Strange is all about. You know, he's Hugo Strange wants to be Batman. He uh, he likes. You know, trying to figure out, you know, who is Batman? Is it Bruce Wayne? Is it is it not Bruce Wayne? Like, who is it? I gotta, you know, take over this Batman persona. Like, I want to be Batman. And, you know, he's he's just so crazy himself, and he's like, you know, got this mannequin. It's all dressed up that he's constantly talking to. Like, that just kind of, you know, cracks me up that it's kind of, you know, he's like so smart and yet he's so absurd at the same time that. You know, he's talking to a mannequin <laughs> like it's a yeah. real person. Like any kind of like – I like you know weird character takes like that where you've got like an obviously smart you know person or character I guess I should say. And they've got some kind of weird take like you know obviously the Riddler is a smart guy, but for some reason he's obsessed with puzzles and you know question marks and that, that, that kind of thing. Like that's always kind of neat. thinking uh, Preston Payne and Hugo Strange need to start a support group to stop talking <laughs> to their mannequins. <laughs> But like I said, when I was talking about favorite stories, like, you know, I would, I would just say, like, you know, kind of like the man bat, if you're not really all that familiar with Hugo Strange, um, pick up some of those trades, like Strange Apparitions that ba- or that Derek uh, mentioned previously. That's a really good trade, and it not only has Strange in it, but also has um, Joker. It has the Laughing uh, Fish in it, the first appearance of the Laughing Fish, and it has And, and it's got, it's got uh, the revamped Deadshot, too, who's really cool. Yeah. And they're all so tasty and all so delish. Come on and try a Joker fish. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. that's not in the trade. <laughs> <laughs> I like <laughs> Harley. That's why you gotta hate on Harley. <laughs> oh, Mr. J. <laughs> oh, Mr. J. Pudding. <laughs> oh. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and go next. After that, I'll I'll leave Derek for his uh, final thoughts on the non-Joker villain. I'm going to go ahead and go as far as my most widely known. I have two runners-up I think are more interesting. But everybody knows Harvey Dent. Everybody knows who Two-Face is. I thought Harvey was cool in the comics, but the animated series really cinched it for me. His origin was a little bit better done. Instead of like being in a courtroom and having acid thrown on just half of his face, <laughs> he got half his face blown off because half his face was covered by a catwalk. And I love the voice actor. He did a really good job of being suave Harvey Dent and also being big, bad Harv. And I also like the design. I like the gray face more than the green face. And yeah, that's just that's just probably my favorite like mainstream people who know him. I think Mike said he liked Two Face too, so he's you got he, uh, Richard Richard Mall of uh, Bowl on Night Court to thank for that. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, who who would have thought he had that range? He he did a very good job. Um, yeah, that's, that's, and I love the uh, black and white suit. That's probably my favorite Harvey Dent costume, the black and white instead of like regular suit and crazy paisley. Look at me. Uh. Like, like in Batman Forever. Yeah, oh god. Okay, <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones, what the fuck were you thinking taking that role? Um, <laughs> no curtain number one or curtain number two, just plain curtain. <laughs> I always remember like that the funny part was uh, I think Peter David had some quote because he wrote the novelization of Batman Forever, and I forget exactly how it goes, but it's like they took the exceedingly, you know, difficult task of of making a you know multi layered villain into a one note villain or whatever you know. Yeah, yeah, it's like exactly. it's like it's like oh he has all this character depth and detail, and then in the movie it's just like kill the bat, you know. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> it, you know. Let's make it the Joker with less depth than the Joker. Um, uh, as far as like my two lesser-known villains, um, I actually have always had a very weird fondness for uh, Mr. Zazz's because I like the idea that he's just a guy who carves his fucking victims one by one into his body. And no matter what, even if Batman gets his ass and fucking takes him back to Arkham, he still gets more notches. He he achieves his goal. That's all that's all he wants to do. He dislikes killing people. Mm-hmm. So even if even if Batman wins in the end, it seems like as far as personally, you know, Mr. Zazz's still gets like, you know, the final victory because he's like, I'm still building my total bitch, you know, I may be in jail, but these notches are still going on here. And also, it's really cool that he has, like, a, a palindrome for a name. Oh. Check, check the soles of his feet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which was just, yeah, yeah, exactly. That that kind of stuff, I like the fact he's, he's also not super-powered. He has no special abilities. He's just fucking nuts. Um, there again, in, like, um, Arkham City 2, I really enjoyed his missions, like, chasing down all of his phone calls and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't played it, but like that, yeah. I, I, just from how you describe it, I can like, yeah, like almost is, see. Is his thoughts. character design in Arkham City like? Does he have sort of platinum blonde hair like the comics, or is it more like the movies where he's just like a bald dude with a goatee? Or I don't think if I ever got to a confrontation with him, um, like mostly what you do is like uh, he's making phone calls to different payphones throughout Gotham City or Arkham City, I guess. And uh, as you're, like, running to each of them, if you don't make it in time, he'll, like, kill another hostage. But if you make it in time, then he'll talk to you for a while and give a little backstory, and you're, like, tracing the phone call. So after you do it, like, 15 or 20 times, you, you can pinpoint his location, and then you go in for the attack. Okay. Huh. If I if I remember correctly, I think he was bald in, in Arkham Asylum. Oh, so he had a more movie look to him. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I don't don't quote me on that. I haven't played that game in like a year or two, but I, no, I, I remember. I miss like the, yeah. the Rutger Hauer and Blade Runner look for for Mr. Zaz. Like that's kind of who he reminded me of when I would see him in the the original comic books. You know, kind of like how you know when he's chasing after Deckard and stuff in the end of the movie. You know how he's just kind of running around in a loincloth. You know, and it's like I'm coming for you. you know? <laughs> yes, Rutger Hauer, damn it. And uh, uh, my other, uh, I guess you'd say, honorable mention 
would be uh, even though now he's not Jean Paul Valley and he's not the servant or fucking best buddy of the bat. I really liked uh, Azrael and Sword of Azrael, the miniseries, because he was fucking badass. He he gave Bruce a run for his money for a few minutes. And even though it's Quesada art and it's like ridiculously detailed, Quesada can do his own fucking art. That's about the only thing he can do. And I, I really liked the uh, I like the way he came off. He came off as this guy who had like a similar background as Bruce, and the fact that he was like, you know, he didn't have the whole like you know family you know tragedy, but he was trained from birth to be a fucking badass. And that really was kind of a cool thing, because usually the villains in Batman's universe are like, you know, either fucked up in the head, they become fucked up in the head, or at some point they decide to get fucked up in the head <laughs> to, like, you know, be criminals. And as far as Azrael goes, he actually wasn't fucked up. He was he was trained to be an assassin, you know? It was like he got fucked up in the head in a very methodical way to be, like, perfect at what he does. After, like, when Nightfall started, <clears throat> it kind of fell apart. I mean, not a big fan of Asbats or, you know, Jean-Paul Valley after that, where he was just like, I want to make you happy, Bruce. <laughs> but, uh, like, Azrael in the, in sort of Azrael, the miniseries was a really cool character. I really, I really dug him, so. I, I wanted to mention to, to you, Derek, like, I love the friggin' extreme fluctuation in, like, performance in that that uh nightfall audiobook between like asbats and like jean paul valley where yeah. you know where he's like asbats and he was like i am the batman you know <laughs> and like when he gets his helmet off he's like oh gee bruce you know thanks for <laughs> thanks for yeah yeah you know, and like at the end like he's like he get batman gets like the helmet off him and he's like uh, he's like run jean paul it's a new day for you and he's like run be free and he's like thanks bruce and whoa it's a sunny <laughs> Day. <laughs> yeah, he's all he's all happy and everything. You know what's funny about that? The guy who does the voice for uh Jean Paul Valley and Azrael is also the guy who does the voice for the Joker too. So like when they do that that confrontation, you know, like when Joker's making the the films, you know, at that Paragon Pictures or whatever, it always cracks me up because I'm like, oh, that dude's talking to himself. But it's like it's yeah. it's actually really good. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he did a good job, yep. Yeah, those are my picks. Especially, like I said, I really like. Uh, I say Zazz's. Some people say Zazz, but um, but yeah, yeah. I I, I like kind of off kilter characters. Um, finally, of course, last but not least, uh, I went with Derek last because again, he's a big DC fan. So I'm pretty sure he's either going to pick some obscure characters or some well known ones and give us a little bit of uh, insight on why they're really cool. So go ahead, sir. I guess I guess I went with some some obscure guys. Um, I guess for for runners up or whatever. Um, I, I kind of already mentioned him, but I, I've always liked Deadshot um, ever since the Suicide Squad. I've always been a big fan of his, and then he's also in that Strange Apparitions, you know, kind of where he kind of gets reinvented. I know, you know, the original Deadshot kind of is more uh, contemporary of Bruce Wayne's, where they were both kind of rich, and he was just, you know, a, a good marksman and kind of, you know, was running around in a tuxedo and a top hat or whatever. But I, I kind of like the whole you know, w- 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 the path they took him down after that, you know, once he was in prison for, like, umpty-ump years and got his new, you know, armored suit and everything like that and joined the Suicide Squad. He was kind of like the 
the Wolverine of that group, you know, like he was the guy who was always, you know, he'd go into a plane, shoot up everybody, including the pilot, and then leap out the window and then be like, I knew you was going to catch me. You know, like basically he was like <laughs> kind of badass or whatever. You His know? boss is always like, Lawton. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's her face? Black Orchid was like flying by kind of like, you know, it's it's like, you know, for people who don't know who those characters are, you know, it's just tantamount the Wolverine going on a plane, killing everybody, including the pilot, jumping out and then Rogue, you know, flying by and catching him and him just going, I knew he was going to catch me. You know, so I, I always kind of like, right, I, I always kind of like Floyd Lawton. Um, um, the uh, the the uh, other guys, uh, the other runner up guy I was going to mention, um, who is one of my favorite stories um, on my top 10 list was uh, the KG Beast. Like I always kind of dug the KG Beast. Like he's kind of like the like, proto Bane, I guess, if you will. You know, like he was he was, I guess, uh, along the lines of kind of what I guess Brian and, and Mike were saying, like guys that could, you know, sort of go head to head with Batman mentally or even Justin with Hugo Strange, you know. Um KGB is to someone who was who was pretty smart, but he was also kind of Batman's at least in the first appearance anyway, he was Batman's physical superior. I know later on, you know, he ended up fighting with Robin and I guess once Chuck Dixon started writing him, like Chuck Dixon's a good writer and he writes a lot of good action stuff, but but by the time Chuck Dixon got his hands on the KG Beast, he was kind of nerfed all the shit. But it's kind of like the typical pattern with those guys. It's like they they start out as all big and bad, you know, kind of like Bane and Killer Croc and those guys, and then enough people ride them, and it gets to the point where they're like, rocks at them, you know, or whatever, and that's basically what they kind of turn into. So, I am you know, Russian, you American. Yeah, yeah, by, by the end of it, it was like, I am KG Beast, I am being killing you now, little bird, Robin, you know, and then Robin would like, you know, kick his ass or something, and you'd be like, oh, well, he was cool, you know, or whatever, but, uh, you know, um, I, I really enjoyed him in the, the, you know, his first run, Ten Nights of the Beast. And I guess, uh, you know, uh, Tony was talking about how, um, you know, he really liked Death in the Family. And, and, you know, Jim Starlin wrote both those. So I kind of enjoy, you know, his work on those those books and stuff like that, the, the, his run of Batman. Um, and then I guess for, for the number one pick, it is kind of obscure. Um, and he, he's only appeared, well, he hasn't appeared in that many cartoons or anything, but, um, uh, it's, uh, the character Wrath, and he's basically kind of like the anti-Batman, like, like literally, like, whereas, you know, Batman's, you know, parents were taken from him by criminals, like Wrath's parents were taken from him by cops, you know, and so he's basically, he devotes his whole life to, you know, fucking over the law as opposed to Bruce, who devotes his whole life to, you know, sort of, you know, standing for law and justice. You know, yeah, basically, you know, so like, I, I, I think he's kind of cool because he's kind of like the, the venom or the anti Batman or what, you know, whatever you want to call him. But uh, again, along those lines, I kind of like him because he's, he's basically a physical, you know, equal to Batman, but he's also mentally sort of capable of, going toe-to-toe with him as well and kind of leading him on a chase and sort of engaging both the Batman's physical prowess as well as his mental prowess. So th- those are my my guys. Cool, cool. Um, I don't even know who Wrath is, and I actually read Batman. Uh, <laughs> so well done, so. Um, speaking of uh, the fact that we've, we've been talking about how a lot of the uh, villains we've been mentioning are based on who writes them and whatnot, like I said... Uh, or draws them, like say Quesada, uh, Quesada, 
draws Azrael really well. And, you know, Derek was talking about how certain writers wrote KG Beast really well, and then he got nerfed. That's what it all matters about. The good Batman stories, good Batman artists can make or break a issue, and that's our next topic. Uh, our favorite Batman writers or Batman artists, or both. Do we dare? Why not? Yes, of course, why not? Of what use is a dream, if not a blueprint for courageous action? So I'm going to see. Hmm, I think I've already gone through everybody, so I'm just going to go at random. I'm going to go with Justin because he's got a new Skype pick, and I don't even know who the fuck that Batman is. He's like Street Luge Lava Fire Batman. <laughs> Serena! <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and uh, start with him. What's, who's your favorite Batman writer or artist or both? I will go with both. I'm going to go with Frank and Miller. Um, you know, like I said, I've, I kind of figured we would all be falling over each other, you know, picking either Year One or uh, uh, Dark Knight Returns as favorite, you know, story. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to I'm going to love on those two a little bit. I, I really loved Batman Year One. I think that's you know kind of the quintessential Batman story. It's you know. For lack of a better term, it's his origin story because everybody needs an origin, or you know, needs to understand, you know. The, well, if we don't, Justin, we don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it it is a really good story, and you've got all these, you know, you know, character facets and everything with Bruce and his training, and you know, his very early days of you know trying to become a superhero, and you know, sometimes he does good, sometimes he fails, and you've also got you know. You got Catwoman in there just a little bit, um, and then as far as the Dark Knight Returns, you know, I don't even know what I can say that hasn't already been said about this story before. But you know, just just a great story of you know basically Batman being so old that he has to come out of retirement, and he's got like a spunky little girl as Robin, you know, and he's fighting all these like you know punks and mutants and everything. It's just it's just a really great story. But, you know, I just kind of, you know, it's like, where would this character be without, you know, this, you know, person? Like, where would Batman be without Frank Miller? So that's, that's just kind of what I think about it. But, you know, someone, you know, besides Frank Miller that I like and someone that Derek has already brought up that I like, I, I really love Neil Adams' work on Batman, too. I think that's some of, some of the best, like, your Batman art that's out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Can I, I mean, follow up Justin? Yeah, go ahead, sir. Well, I just want to because, um, you know, I'm kind of along the same lines. Like, I think when I decided that I was going to start, you know, trying to read some Batman stuff, it was either Dark Knight Returns or Year One. That was my first um, trade that I bought. And, you know, liking those so much is kind of what made me buy all the other trades. Um, so I definitely pick Frank Miller is probably my favorite writer. And then, you know, once I got to Hush, I was like, oh, that's it. They're not going to write a better story than this. So I quit collecting Batman. But, uh, <laughs> and Derek died that day. <laughs> I'm like dying right now. I'm like in the coffin. Like, you're, you're tearing him apart. Put that man there in that box there and throw him into that vat of acid there. <laughs> I was hoping that'd get you. I, I guess if anything, like, you know, the Frank Miller's work on Batman is a good gateway drug i guess if you want to like you know call it that like that that's something to like to show someone it's like hell you've never read any batman comics well okay 
sit down and read these two, and then then come back and tell me if you think Batman's kind of goofy. I, I I give hell all to back and forth for All Star Batman, but. The Dark Knight Returns is not a bad fucking comic. It's really fucking good. It's one of the first comics I read as far as Batman in the 80s. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, I cannot dispute the fact that, you know, Frank Miller, when he's on his game, he's fucking great, you know. Well, I know I know it's it's like super, super popular to um, to rag on modern day Frank Miller or whatever. But, like, I, I, I'll just put myself out there as a non-hater um, and be like, the, the only two things that I've really had a big problem with that, that he's written um, in, in the last couple of years has been the Spirit film, which was god-awful atrocious, <laughs> and um, the, uh, you know, the sequel to Dark Knight Returns, Dark which Knight I, I really, back. I really, really didn't care for. But everything else, I was you know, just like, I know, I know, I know, like, you know, people like to rag on All Star Batman, but like, kind of like for me, like, like, I don't know. To me, I kind of, I guess, view that like other people view Hush and uh, and this new Fifty Two Justice League thing. I'm just like, oh, this is just eye candy. It's like, and and funny Frank Miller stuff, you know. Like, I mean, I don't know, but that's just me. I mean, it's not as bad as Batman Spawn, so, I mean, there's that. You're dumber than Clark. (laughs) (laughs) How are we going to end this relationship? You threw a battering in my head. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Brian, since you did a chirp in, is there anything else you want to add to your thoughts, or? No, I I wish I could, I had more background to pick, like, my favorite Batman artist. I suppose, you know, I'm going to just have to say Jim Lee, because I, I haven't really been exposed to a lot where I, you know, like, I recognize the artist and really appreciated the work he did, you know, outside of Jim Lee. So kind yeah. of a weak answer, I suppose, but I just haven't had that much exposure. Hey, you know, you know that's nothing wrong with that. Um, as far as I go, I, I guess I'll go ahead and uh, throw in my little two cents real quick. There's been a lot of one-shots, like I said, Mignola and, you know, uh, Killing Joke and all that stuff. But as far as, like, consecutive issues, and that's what I'm going to base my pick on, I, I got to give the nod to the master, uh, Aparo. He, yeah, like, he's he's great. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He just he, he he drew like the quintessential Batman, and you know he even drew it back in the the blue and gray days before he went all crazy with like fucking you know he's got to be dark and black and shit. You know? And I I would say like <sighs> this is kind of a weird pick because writers are really they're kind of hit and miss with me. I really like when uh, Denny O'Neill was editing them. <laughs> well, Denny O'Neill had a fair share of comics that he wrote of Batman. A lot of them were with Neil Adams, but yeah, yeah I, I know what you're talking about that he, yeah. he edited the Batman comics for like years, like almost ten years or something. So yeah, like, and like he, he did a really good job of continuity, keeping people together and stuff. And I appreciate his work. Uh, I guess besides that. Um, I don't know if it's Bruce Tim or not, but like some of my like I guess favorite Batman the anime series stories. I don't know if this counts because there's not comic stories, but I really like the one where uh, I can't think of the name, but the one where uh, Mad Hatter. Might have, I think it was Paul Dini who wrote it. Who? Yeah, uh, I'm, I think if you liked it, it was probably Paul Dini. Yeah, probably. Uh, where, where Mad Hatter makes Batman think he's not Batman, and he goes through like the whole dream sequence. Well, that's uh, that's perchance to dream. Yeah, was that Paul Dini? Uh, I I want to say yes, but you know what? I'll look it up just in case. 
but yeah, yeah, Paul Dini was actually excellent writer on a Batman the Animated Series. Like I said, it's really hard for me to pick one writer because I've I've been through different eras, and I'll read a couple of comics in one. Like like he uh like uh Derek said, Starlin wrote Death in the Family, which is a really good uh Batman comic, and it was it was consecutive issues, but I read the trade paperback. So I, I can't really count that in a way. It, it's just very hit or miss to me as far as writers. And, you know, I'll actually give a little bit of a shout-out to Kelly Jones. Not because he's a good artist, but I'm like, how the fuck did he get away with drawing Batman's ears that goddamn big? <laughs> so it, it turns out it's uh, it's Joe R. Lansdale who wrote the Perchance to Dream episode, just oh. so we're, yeah. we're, ac- we're, we're in the accuracy business here. So oh, that's that's. Man. So, so you like you like noted horror author Joe R. Lansdale? <laughs> yeah. Did According to Wikipedia, noted hear, horror author. Did you hear my uh, comment, Derek? <laughs> huh? I, I, was, I said I also like Kelly Jones because I don't know how oh, the fuck oh, he made yeah, Batman's yeah. ears that fucking big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Actually, um, um, I, you can hate me uh, some more because I I have met Kelly Jones, but that was when I was like really really young. Um, he, he did a signing at uh, a comic shop, and uh, he signed the hardcover for Batman Red Rain. That's Fucking another, liar. That's an, yeah, I know. I, I, don't, I, don't have any, I don't have any pictures of that. Uh, um, didn't happen. Didn't happen, no pictures. I have a, a giant Red Rain promotional poster that Kelly Jones signed that I still have. So, so and that I held on to. Um, cause it's, you know, something fun to display, like it's in a frame or whatever, and you can hang it up on the wall and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, yeah I just remember, I, I don't know. I was probably like, I don't know. I want to say I was 12 or 13 or something. I don't know when that came out, but it's, it's an Elseworlds where, you know, basically Batman turns into a vampire yeah. and you know, like that's, that's the basic pitch, but yeah. So I think he also drew, I could be wrong. If, it, if it's different, don't even bother to look it up. Cause it's not a good story. Not worth looking up. But I also thought he he drew probably the worst titled Batman. Well, it's actually a Joker comic, but Batman's in it, I think, in some respect. I didn't even want to read it because the title just made me almost gag. It was, was it like, the, the Dark... Dark Joker, the Wild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck is the Wild? <laughs> it was like, okay, we're going to take this phrase, the Joker's Wild, and make it make no fucking sense at all, right? <laughs> you know? It was like I did, yeah. It had a hollow foil cover, and it was a hard cover. So, yeah, I yeah. Uh, Kelly Jones, interesting man, big fucking ears, um, big shoulders. And not saying he's my favorite artist, but I give him credit for people thinking that was fucking awesome artwork. So good, good job to life held that shit to hell. Um, but yeah, yeah. As far as actual love, uh, yeah, Paul Dini is a good writer. I love his uh, Batman animated. Uh, stories and yeah again uh paro just yeah fucking brilliant shit uh I, I hate to do this mike again i'm not calling him out but i know his answer is probably gonna be quick so writer artist mike who who you got for your batman um i'll pretty much copy brian uh i was gonna say like frank miller for writer and like jim lee for art um i also wanted to mention uh i think it was um so why don't you guys love All-Star Batman? I don't understand. <laughs> you know what? I got two words for you. I don't I don't like it because of love chunks. That's that's <laughs> But of but, course. but well, she says it in an Irish accent. Don't you think that's love cute? chunks? 
I got the love chunks. See, you can't, you can't, you can't read it in a Linkara voice. You have to have it in a cute Irish girl voice, and then it makes total sense. Well, that is where Superman angry because he never learned to read comes from. <laughs> Superboy so, angry because his yeah. his, his his gym instructor isn't making out with him. Yeah, <laughs> punch these love chunks to hell. Anyway. I, I had an honorable mention though. Uh, um, I think it's Ty Templeton, but uh, he wrote like those Batman Adventures comics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's the guy who did the animated style in comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I really dug those. Like the the very last one that was set in like the DC animated universe. I think it only lasted for like seventeen issues, but uh, yeah, a lot of good uh, stories there. I think like Dan Slott actually wrote some of those too. Oh, but okay. yeah, like I know those... I know Mike Parabek who passed away. Like he he did a lot of the art on those too, and he 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 was. I always liked his art, but he I guess it yeah. it seemed to really it, like he sort of easily fit into that animated style that they do on that show. Yeah, you see yeah. like storyboards were, yeah. Yeah, but I, I really dug the writing <laughs> on that show and like those guys like knew their like animated continuity pretty much. Like so that was like uh really cool. So that's my like honorable mention I guess. But yeah, I, and uh uh Frank Miller for writing, like I love Dark Knight Returns and Year One and all that and you know, uh uh, that's probably it. <laughs> I have a question for more knowledgeable fans than I. Um, was like the Batman design used in Hush one done by Jim Lee? Are you talking about like the costume? Yeah, with like the giant he... black symbol and stuff. Actually, that, that, that was actually Frank Miller, I think, or it was actually earlier than that with just like a black bat and was it a blue cape and a gray outfit? Yeah, because I really like that look. I mean, throughout the whole story, I think Batman looked I mean, really cool. I mean, technically, if you want to get all technical about it, like the old Bob Kane stuff has a black bat and gray and blue, you know? Yeah, but his wings are a little bit more batty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I see what you're saying, but I'm I'm just saying, you know, I guess if you want to get, like, super technical about it, like, the only thing Jim Lee designed was the super microchip line New 52 outfit or whatever. So. Yeah. I know he he did some design work for like the DC online game too, but yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I I think he did like the character designs for all the people on that. But I, I always remember thinking that was funny because there you remember that game, The Rise of um. I'm trying to remember what his name is. I'm gonna say Sun Tzu, but I know that's not the yeah. right name. Like, but it's like it's like it was you know uh, an original animated series villain for the video game who was you know. Uh, Eastern, shall we say? I don't know where the hell he came from, but um, yeah. you know. But um, uh, it was basically, Sun Tzu or Shinzu, someone. Yeah, Shin, something like that. And um, but what was funny was when you beat the game, you know, you unlock sort of a, a making of video or whatever. And so it's like twenty minutes of this French guy talking about how he, you know, worked on the game and everything. <laughs> so basically, like this French dude, he's the one who designed the game and really did everything. But to get the game to sell copies they basically said an all-new animated villain designed by you know legendary comic creator jim lee and then there's like maybe three minutes of jim lee going oh yeah i designed this thing and basically like i always used to yuck it up about that little you know sort of promo you know making of clip because i'm like come on dude jim lee spent like five minutes drew this chicken scratch 
on a fucking napkin and got paid tons and tons of cash. Meanwhile, this poor French dude who has to be subtitled did all the fucking work and probably made peanuts on it or whatever. But anyway, I always As Germany writes this, I am eating a baguette with dirt put on it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, I was like, what? Anyway, I can't. I can't say. I well, at least at least he can be proud of the excellent, excellent video game. Yeah, the, the Batman sun, Rise of. We can't even sun, remember its name. Yeah. I can't say though. I think without a without a shred of doubt, Brian, that the last time the bat symbol was used, that the the yellow border, and it was like that angular style, was the Dark Knight Returns, I believe. Okay. I don't know who originated it, but I'm pretty sure that's the last time it was used. Before they did that for Hush. So. Pretty sure on that. But anyway, who, uh, add, oh, who added the yellow uh, oval? Was that like Dick Sprang? Or no, like... I think it's like the Julie Schwartz era. I don't know. Like it, it's, I know it, it's Detective 327. So, and I think the editor was Julie Schwartz, so I think he gets credit for that. I think it's Carmen Infantino, I want to say. Or maybe, maybe. I, I forget. Like, I know you drew a couple of Batman issues. Yeah. some reason, yeah, I thought that was like stuff. way, way back. But... Oh, yeah. It's, it's well, old, yeah. Detective 327 is kind of way, way back. I mean, yeah, I guess so, it. yeah. I mean, what? It's uh, I mean, if if it hadn't been rebooted, it'd be on like issue, uh, you know, seven what, 900-something? 900, 900, oh, God. Oh, yeah, so. that's true, yeah. I mean, even more behind that thought. Um, uh, and then, you know what? Derek hasn't even said who's his favorite artist or writer is yet, so I guess we should throw it to him. Well, um, I, I do like uh, – I, I think I like Steve Englehart a lot. Like, he wrote Strange Apparitions. He wrote Dark Detective. Like, it seems like all the stuff that he wrote, like, like was used, you know? Like, it's like the Laughing Fish. That's Steve Englehart, you know? Like, like Vicky Vale, like, looking like Silver St. Cloud. Like, as far as I'm concerned, like, all the 89 Batman stuff. Like, that's Steve Englehart. Like, like The Dark Knight that's Steve Englehart, like, you know, the whole dark detective stuff, you know, like with the, the guy running for the campaign, just like Harvey Dent was. And, you know, just all that kind of, I don't know to me, like, so I, I kind of enjoy that stuff because it seems to be something that it always speaks to people and everything. And then I know we talked about Jim Starlin before, but I, I also liked his run. Cause I guess it's one of the earliest, you know, Batman runs that I kind of read consistently. Um, as far as artists go, um, I just want to, you know, uh, do some quick, uh, quick runner ups before I, I go into the main event. But um, Norm Brayfogle worked a lot on Detective Comics and Batman. Um, like, I really, really love the storyline Mud Pack with all the different clay faces. And, you know, Norm Brayfogle was the artist on that. Um, and I've always kind of appreciated him. I know I kind of mentioned him in the past with the whole, uh, life with Archie series, like how he made Archie's look kind of realistic to me and stuff, but he drew Batman for years and years. And, um, I've always thought he was a really, really cool artist for Batman and just in general. Um, and then, uh, the, uh, the main person that, you know, I, I guess we've already brought it up like several times, but I really, really dig, um, Neil Adams. I mean, I, you know, to me, it was like the first time I saw Batman in a, a realistic vein, you know, a realistic light. And, um, I just, you know, just all his kind of work, like has always spoke to me over the years and just kind of made me feel like 
if Batman was in real life, like that's kind of what he'd look like, you know? So I, I just always kind of thought of him as sort of the, just the way he drew things, you know, I sort of, you know, it, it seemed to be a way to envision him on paper, but sort of in a real world setting as opposed to, you know, kind of like, I guess people talked about like, you know, Dick Sprang or, you know, the animated Batman Brave and the Bold or something like that. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of why I like Neil Adams a lot, but, um, yeah, so those are, those are my guys. Cool. Cool. I think, uh, Justin wanted to ask you, wanted to ask a question to somebody before we uh, move on. Uh, actually it's for everyone. Uh, as far as like modern day Batman writers go, like, what do you guys think of Grant Morrison's work on Batman? Mm, I would go 60, 40. I think 60% is, is really good. And 40%, Makes it's not bad. It just makes me scratch my head. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. I'm a, like I I like his I like the whole like Dick Grayson and Damian Wayne as like the dynamic duo stuff. But yeah, sometimes I'm like you know oh no I feel like Grant Morrison craziness coming on you know like I'm like what what's this now you know like especially when like you know it's like you know the whole like you know batman left all these clues in time and we've got to like pull him back somehow and i don't know my yeah. my thing on it is um i think when i read the entire run of morrison's i felt better for having read the entire run like kind of reading batman and robin and reading things like batman incorporated like i like those kind of things um i couldn't really stand rip like that was too blue cupcakey for me like too many discussions about what the rose petal meant and who the devil was <laughs> and the forked tongue and all this fucking what who's Jezebel Jet and blah 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 blah. Like I don't know. Like that 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 got into that realm of blue cupcakes where you know Fanny's like throwing up blue all over the place and I just couldn't you know I didn't want to be bothered with it type thing. Um, but I think you know to me like there's good points to it and bad points to it like I, I think the stuff I enjoyed the most was like the stuff like I said like Batman Incorporated where they had uh, you know they had uh, you know Kathy Kane and you know all the different you know Batman people whether it's just bringing back uh, you know Cassandra Kane and you know all those different sort of Batman Incorporated characters and stuff like that I really really dug the relationship between Dick Grayson and Damien and you know how that sort of went full circle i like the little you know zorn magneto thing he pulled with the joker and you know like things like that were cool so i mean you know overall like i, I think there's some cool stuff but you know once once it starts getting final crisisy, you know uh r.i.p blue cupcakey you know like kind of what brian's saying oh he's stuck in time but he drew like 40 million different bat symbols to give him prep time you know or whatever like you're just kind of like okay you know that that's when you start maybe losing me a little bit, but you know. I just I just think the title Batman Incorporated because I always think Batman Incorporated B A T M A N. That's just me, probably. <laughs> I think the closest I've come to even reading a Grant Morrison Batman story was uh, when I accidentally ordered the novelization of Final Crisis, not even like the trade. Accidentally. But, <laughs> But speaking out of, like, total ignorance, the only thing I can positively say about Grant Morrison is that it's definitely not as good as Hush, so. <laughs> what? <laughs> you, Derek. Two for the price of one. Unacceptable. You have failed. 
I think, I think Brian just shot Harold in the head again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like raping Harold's leg as he lays there lifeless on the bridge. <laughs> hey, if any, if anybody's reading the new, uh, the new Batman for the new 52, I feel like I've just been gutted in the back by uh, a Talon agent from the court of owls. So that's, that's what I feel like. Fucking owls. Jesus. Um, <laughs> I think we should probably close up this topic, but I will allow everybody to get one more comment in if they want to talk about anything else in the Bat universe. Anybody got anything else to add before we move on? I did think it would all end differently, somehow less ignominiously. To drown in my own anniversary cake. Drowned? What, in quicksand? Yes, old chum. Death in quicksand is technically drowning. Yeah, the, the Bat Universe is widespread and varied. There's fucking... And you could read about Batman's further adventures in DC Comics, so go ahead and do that. <laughs> and if you, I, I hope they have an ad like that at the end of uh, at the end of Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> that would make Batman, my day. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Did you know... For, for that one guy who's going to sit there through the credits and be like, You mean they make Batman comics? No way! not know this what the hell again we, we appreciate any uh comments or criticism about this uh batman fervor send them to panels podcast at gmail.com or we have- actually you reminded me we did have a email like i solicited for any batman questions to you know come through our email oh, we did bad. one one response here i'll read it real quick uh this is from jan christopherson and he writes i'm batman so thanks jan i thought he was air hammer <laughs> I could be wrong. <laughs> Agreed. No, he's he he works for the Canadian branch of Batman Incorporated, so he is indeed Batman. So he's uh, Batman, eh? Grant Morrison's going to cover that in an upcoming storyline. I promise. <laughs> just keep reading. Well, we just blew his secret identity, so yeah. I think it'll be it's okay. okay. It's okay. It worked out okay for the White Tiger. It'll work out okay for Jan. <laughs> Dios. <laughs> Um, we're also on uh, Twitter and Facebook. I just want to go ahead and say that now because I know Batman's a very popular topic to go ahead and uh, hit us back with your hate or love. But we're not done with the podcast yet. We still have one more segment to go to. It's our favorite one. Okay, well, at least we say it is. It's our favorite thing of the week, our awesome thing of the week, our favorite thing in the side of the universe, or whatever I call it whenever I go on my rants. This is pretty much where we talk about our favorite thing that's pretty much uh, floating our boat this week. I'm going to go ahead, and again, like I said, I've been through every one of the fan holes, so I'm just going to go at random. Eeny, meeny, miny, Mike. What's your favorite thing in the universe this week, sir? Uh, just, uh, you know, a lot of shows that uh, I enjoy have come back in the last couple weeks, like Avengers and uh, Game of Thrones. So I'm I'm looking forward to them, like, starting new seasons and hopefully more kick-assery. Hell yeah, kick-assery. I have not watched Game of Thrones. I've heard it's really good. I really need to watch it. I, I... It's, a, it's like it's like sort of like Lord of the Ringsy, except with more incest. Less trolls. <laughs> yes. This is this is what I've heard, but I've not yet seen it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, sir. Yeah. Um, throwing that off of Mike for the uh, excellent TV watching, we're gonna go to Brian. What's your favorite thing this works, sir? Um, kind of predictably, it's a video game. Uh, summer's you know just around the corner. Uh, baseball season started, so I went ahead and plunked down sixty bucks and got MLB the Show. 
2012 for PlayStation 3. Um, I'd had a like MLB 10, I think, from a few years back, um, and I really enjoy the game. It's probably like the most realistic baseball game out there. And what I mean by that is like you can't just start playing and set it to easy and start batting like five or six hundred. You know, like even on easy, you have like real like realistic batting averages. Um, you know, you, you can't keep a pitcher in for nine innings usually. You have to call in two or three relievers as you play the game. So they just try to keep it, like, as realistic as possible. You got to work they, for your shit, basically. Yeah. Um, they really try to make it a baseball sim. And that's, you know, I'm really interested in that. And um, I think I mentioned before, like, I really lo- love micromanaging in games. And besides just playing the game, you know, out on the field, it allows you to do a lot of micromanagement where you're setting, like, ticket prices, you're hiring soda vendors, stuff like that. You're making, like, negotiating TV contracts and ads. So there's a lot to the game, and I, I really enjoy all aspects of it. Cool, cool. By the way, I still found that game where Ninja turns into a toaster and a Jaguar and a Xbox. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just to let you know, I, I did look a couple more times, but no luck. Um, Thanks for trying, dude. I, I, I tried. Uh <laughs> No, that sounds cool. I myself am not a big sports game fan, but I know a lot of people love sports games, so high praise from Brian is high praise indeed. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but um, I told you you had like a doppelganger, and it was Tommy Hansen from the Braves. Do you remember me telling you that, Tony? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, his picture in the old game like looks exactly like you, but now he has a beard, so it doesn't look like you anymore. So that's kind of sad. Well, I'm, I'm like a, well, is there like a full beard or just a goatee? Yeah, it's a full beard. Oh, fucker. Yeah. <sighs> now I gotta grow a full beard. What the hell? Um, just so I can walk with chicks in the bar and be like, I'm Tommy Hansen. <laughs> uh, Derek, what's your awesome thing this week, sir? Well, uh, as awesome uh, as being Tommy Hansen. Anyway. <laughs> no, I don't know that it's as awesome as being Tommy Hansen. But um, uh, Brian was kind enough to uh, send me a book, speaking of Neil Adams. Um, on the art of Neil Adams, and it's actually an autographed copy that came from his website. And uh, I guess this was uh, a, a thank you gift for when I, I sent him the autographed copy of uh, Caesar and Otto's uh, Summer Camp Massacre. And so uh, I just wanted to thank him for that, like especially just, you know, he sent me a nice little personal note and everything. And um, there's a lot of cool, like, Neil Adams stuff in here that I have seen, you know, whether it's like, you know, the Batman-type covers or Superman-type covers or Green Lantern, Green Arrow, you know, things like that, you know, pre-scroll war avengers type artwork and it's cool to see all that but some of the stuff that's really cool to see is you know just a lot of his uh work that i just hadn't seen before like he did some sort of it looks like they're original pieces of like a lot of you know film and tv type stuff whether they're they were for you know movie posters like the old christopher lee dracula stuff that he did you know sort of b-movie posters for or you know there's also like stuff where you can see it's like he drew you know uh you know Kane on Kung Fu and he drew like Bruce Lee and all these kind of like little pinups of like Enter the Dragon and stuff like that. So it's like that stuff like looks all original to me. And I was like, wow, I've never seen this before. So there's lots of really cool stuff in this book, especially if you're a fan of, you know, Neil Adams art and everything and just checking all that kind of stuff out. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to say thank you to Brian for sending that to me and that if anybody's a fan of Neil Adams, like like we've mentioned, we are in the past, that it's definitely, you know, it's a cool little coffee table type book worth checking out that kind of covers his whole career. And then the other thing is it keeps reminding me um, 
Hard Eight on Talk keeps reminding me, and then this book reminds me. One of these days, I'm going to read some continuity comics. I've never read any of them, and I plan on reading some, but until that day, I'll just keep looking at this book and having it remind me, like, oh, yeah, i got to read some continuity comics. So, anyway, thanks, Brian. I've read yeah, continuity welcome. comics, and I can't remember the name of the titles. <laughs> Derek, they're on your list. Yep, they're on my list. I didn't mean to cut you off, Brian. What were you going to say? Oh, I'm just really glad he he likes that it. it's a warm fuzzy for me to hear, you know, how much he enjoyed it. Um, I wrote him in the note, you know, he's been nice to me for, you know, more than one occasion over the years. So I kind of wanted to pay him back in like a big way and quote unquote knock his socks off. So when I found that website, like I found it like, like at the week I was searching um, to get Derek something. So it was just kind of like, you know, car or a kismet or something where it just showed up at the exact right time. I'm like, whoa, this is awesome. I know he loves Neil Adams. I bounced the idea off Justin. Justin thought it was a good idea, so I just went ahead and ordered it. Well, good job, man. Good good looking out. It's always, it's always nice when the fan holes are nice to each other. Um, one day, Justin will get the toys I got to send him one day. Uh, <laughs> I still haven't found Scarlet Spider, damn it. One day I will. I don't know where the fuck he's at. He's fucking pissing me off. Anyway, uh, Joseph, what's your awesome thing this week? Speaking of toys, um, I picked up some DC uh, Universe Classics figures. I picked up the three middlemen characters that are out. Um, that would be Mercury, Gold, and Iron. Um, I got these off eBay, and then immediately after buying them, I kind of had buyer's remorse because I realized... DC's kind of changing the way they're doing their action figures, and with my luck, they'll probably never make figures of uh, iron, lead, 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 lead iron? tin, and platinum, and oh, possibly platinum. Uh, copper if you count copper. And um, you, you certainly won't get a figure of um, when, when, when they turned uh, Will Magnus into it. What was he like, like Turquoise Man or like whatever the hell his name was? I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, but like um, something. Yeah. What, once those figures got here, I like I my buyer's remorse immediately went away because they're really cool. Um, you know, they have the typical you know great articulation from DCUC, and they've each got a uh, arm attachment where you know Iron can make his arm into like a wrench or you know a flail or something, and Gold has like a buzz saw hand, and Mercury has like giant scissors, and you know they're really cool. And um, I got another DCUC figure. I got o- um, Orion of the New Gods off eBay, which is you know kind of an older figure, but um, I got it for fairly cheap. And you know I'm I'm a big uh, Fourth World fan, so I was really happy to get Orion. He looks really cool in his uh, you know cosmic harness or whatever. Does it come with a mother box? Um, I assume it's somewhere on his uh, little harness thingy, but. You know. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It, it hasn't pinged yet, so... If, if he has a backpack, that's probably his mother box. Uh, no, no, cool, cool. I mean, I have gold myself. He he, he now looks like our space from Preacher, but I still have gold. Um, You know, if you want to customize a mother box, you can just get a sugar cube and a black magic marker and draw some lines on it. <laughs> and some tomato soup. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just repeatedly go ping, 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 yeah, and Orion gets just, mad. Yeah, yeah so I, I'm jealous of you, though, Justin, because you have a perfect gold, and I have our space gold, which I guess is karma for not <laughs> Scarlet Spider yet. Uh, anyway. But uh, I actually did have a little bit of fun with toys this week, because I found some fucking new toys. I 
I'm usually a Transformers collector, and the Prime toys just aren't doing it for me, and I haven't had that urge to buy toys lately. But I did find the uh, Power Rangers Dragon Zord, Power Rangers Samurai Dragon Zord, I should say, not the original Power Rangers. Uh, in Japan, as Justin noted, he's not named the same thing. Over here, he's called the Dragon Zord. He basically is a smaller figure. He turns into a giant flipping sword for the uh, Samurai Megazord. And he's pretty cool. And I guess he's rare over here, too. He's very rare over in Japan. He's a limited edition release. He's also much bigger, though. But uh, over here, he's still kind of hard to find, so I'm really happy to find him. And today, I picked up uh, Techno Viper, which I don't know if we've... Uh, Neon Green Traffic Cone. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Gone back and forth a few times. Me and Brian love the Neon Green Traffic Cone. And also got... Uh, and I have to say his full name because his full name really sucks. Kurt Airtight Schnurr. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Airtight was a classic character, just like Techno Viper and G.I. Joe, but I just like saying Schnurr. He's actually a really cool figure. Um, just like everything else that's really cool from Hasbro lately, it's hard to find shit from him, so I was really excited to find those two guys. And the, uh, Dragonzord, again, I don't think is widely released. He was the only one sitting on a shelf in Walmart next to, like, Rita Repulsa and, like, 17 Red Rangers and various, like, Samurai's power armor, so I was like, "Yeah, I want to go ahead and buy that." <laughs> How much did he set you back? Uh, the Dragon Sword—he's actually kind of small, so I mean, he's not very much. He's about the same price as the uh, Swordfish and uh, Beetle Zord. He's like fourteen bucks. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's he's not a big one. He's 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 what you would call a supplementary Zord, I guess you would say. He uh, he adds on to the main. Megazord, but he's not like a main component. Like you know, the old Dragon Zord, you can make your own fucking Zord out of them. So, yeah, he's not <laughs> he's not that big. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's pretty cool. I like them. Uh, and the Techno Viper and uh, Airtight, Airtight Schnur are both pretty cool figures. So if you get a chance to pick them up, also look out on the horizon for GI Joe Retaliation figures because if they're released the same way these. Damn, thirty anniversary figures are good luck. She's are going to get his roadblock. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's my cool thing for this week. Um, I got nothing else. What do you guys got to say? Anything else to add to the podcast? Let the sea take it. Okay then. <laughs> Derek is not worthy. <laughs> I, you know, I really... If only, if only Batman and Optimus had just gone down the shore and took Bane to prison instead of letting the sea take him, we wouldn't be in this problem situation <laughs> right now. As always, I remain Tony Claw. Hey, this was Brian Breakdown. Hey, this is Derek, Derek WC. I hate Hush. Hey, it's Mike Thunderwing and Batman's blood will freeze in my hands. <laughs> and this is Grimlock. Alright guys, we'll see you next time on the podcast. Just to let you know, a kiss can be deadly if you mean it. Good night. But mistletoe can be yummy when you have it in the salad. <laughs> Good night. Peace. My parents are dead.
We got this picture of Mike in like a Batman outfit, but without the the cowl. It's just his face in Batman's outfit, and he's like hunched over, like holding up a Hasbro exec. Like, where are the toys? Where? Are they? <laughs> you need like, to improve distribution. 